Welcome to the very first episode of Cinematic Adventure. And by very first episode, I mean it's exactly the same as the Aussie Nerds podcast, except we have a better name and a co-host. <laughs> Speaking of which, my co-host, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from the past, JP. <laughs> Hello. It's, it's actually the present where I am. You're the one in the future. You have a British accent. That can only mean one thing. You watched the movie that I sent you. Bloody hell, you were not supposed to point that out. <laughs> it's hilarious. So, <laughs> so this week, we, we decided to do uh, best adaptation. And by best, I mean favourite, obviously. But also best. Really? What well, did you pick? That, my pick for best book adaptation, to clarify, oh, um, yeah. is The Hunger Games, specifically Catching Fire. No, it was the first uh, one, wasn't it? No, Catching Fire is the second one. But as a series, Hunger Games. I only watched the first one. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Um, To me, the best overall is Catching Fire because there are very few things that they left out from the book. And if Mockingjay Parts 1 and 2 were just one movie, I would have picked that because I don't think they left anything out. But they did split it into two movies to be able to put everything in. Which so and they did. There were um, massive changes. That's so. what Harry Potter uh, did for Deathly Hallows. I picked Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, and you picked the first Hunger Games, even though you thought that The Catching Fire was the best one because it's the sequel, which is fair enough. Um, Indeed. So, what's your summary of either the Hunger Games series or the first book? Um, for the book or for the film? For the film. For the first movie. For the- Okay, so the first movie, the summary is they're in a dystopian future where through climate change and wars, the U.S. is no more and where the U.S. formerly was is a country now called Panem. And Panem is very much a dystopian dictatorship, the head of which is called President Snow which president is a bit of a misnomer because he will never not be reelected. And in this book or in this story, we are introduced to a young girl named Katniss. She's about 16, I believe, when we meet her. And she has a younger sister named Primrose. She calls Prim. And they live in District 12. Now, instead of states, Panem has districts. And they have, they had 13, but at present, they only have 12. And she lives in the poorest one, which is, of course, District 12. And in her district, each district is known for a particular thing. Like one district, which is four, is for fishing. So all of the fishing for the country is done in District 4. Um, There's also, you know, like District 12 is coal miners. So all of the coal for the country is gathered in District 12. That explains the and, fire thing. Yes, that's, that's why later they do fire. Um, so I need to speed this up because there's a lot to cover. <laughs> um, so they have every year... Okay, so there, there, was, there were 13 districts. One district, 13, was destroyed, or so we're told, by the capital 
um, during an uprising, during like the last great war. And to remember this so that basically it keeps everyone in their place so that nobody tries to rise against the Capitol anymore. They, each year, every district must give one, one male and one female child, two children total, to participate in a barbaric ritual known as the Hunger Games. So wait, Each this is child. only the, U- the U.S.? So what, the U.N. is like, yeah, that seems fine. Well, remember, the way that we got here was through wars and climate change. So we don't know about the rest of the world, but this is, it's not just the U.S., technically. It's North America. So like all of North America is now Panem. Okay. And I'm so North bad America at geography. Is, so it includes Canada then? Yes. And that's part of North America. Um, But North America does not look the way it looks right now. The map is completely different because through the reason why I say through climate change is because parts of the country are underwater. Parts of the country have been split off. So it's not it's it's not the exact same map as if you were to look up the United States right now. You have checked the map, haven't you? You haven't just watched the movie. You've you've analyzed the shit out of this. I may or may not know what the map of Panam looks like, which is why I'm explaining that it's not exactly a copy of North America. It's North America after being ravaged severely with hundreds of years of war and global warming. So in other words, and you know how scientists in real life say we have 12 years before we hit you know, the point of no return? We've gone yeah. beyond that. And there have been hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. And the, country, the, the land mass is not at all what it looks like right now. It's much smaller. Very, like, not very little, but it's, it's, it's not the same as what we have now. It's much smaller. Due to that, the districts are arranged in such a way as, like, the fishing district is where they're surrounded. They're not surrounded by water, but they're, they're it's kind of like New Orleans where, like, there's water on three sides. Okay. And, um, and so the, the mining is obviously where there's coal. Okay, can we and get to the story itself? itself? This is all Indeed. backstory. It, it is, but it's important to understand because if you don't understand that, you're like, well, then why did they do this? Why don't they just do that? That's why. <laughs> so it's, if without knowing that, you think there are lots of plot holes, but there aren't. Anywho, so this girl Katniss and her younger sister are getting ready to go to what's known as the reaping, which is the day that the two, that the two young people are chosen from each district. And they, throughout the year, you can possibly get you can so it's a very very poor district right so they don't have a lot of food and they're very close to starvation in fact some people do starve and in order to not starve you can give the peacekeepers which is kind of like their military police hybrid you can give them your name dressed as stormtroopers in the music video that i saw stormtroopers stormtroopers are star wars yes but like they're all in white they're all uh, military stuff they were definitely dressed like stormtroopers Yes, they're very much like stormtroopers, but they're peacekeepers. Okay, so um, they're the military version of the government, but they're also like police officers. So it's like a police-military hybrid. Um, so they, um, so you can give them your name and have, and they will put your name into the reaping, into like the the pool for the reaping more often. Obviously, the more times your name is in there, the higher your odds of getting picked because it's very much like a lottery and. Um, Everybody's terrified, and the, unfortunately, in order to go in there, you have to be 18 or younger. It's between, I think the youngest is like seven, 
It's from like seven uh, to like eighteen for getting into the twelve. I might be wrong about 12? that. I only saw it once. It might, be, it might be twelve. I'm I'm not remembering the the details of the lottery very well, but I know that like you can put you can have your name put in multiple times, and uh, in order to get the girl looks about seven. Yeah, they look seven. really. young. I'm going by the movie. They look really young, but they it could be twelve. Um, because I I don't remember the details of that. But anyway, um, so Katniss is afraid her best friend has has been is going to get picked because his name is in there a ton of times because he's got a lot of brothers and he's been constantly getting more food for his family. In my notes, re- I wrote that his name is not Peter. <laughs> uh, it's 12 yes, to 18, at not- least in the book. Yes, yeah, 12 to 18. I'm, you're correct. His name is not Peter. Because um, yes. <laughs> I'm not talking about Peter. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so then the reaping happens, and Katniss's sister Prim gets, gets picked. Katniss does not like this. Oh, a little bit oh, of backstory shit. on Katniss. Her fu- yeah, no. Um, Kat, her, sister, her sister's 12. It's the first year that she's eligible to be in the, in the reaping. And she gets picked, and then another boy. Hold on a second. Yeah. All right, carry on. Okay. So, um, so another boy from her class, Peta, gets picked. And then Katniss's younger sister, Primrose, gets picked. Katniss does not want Prim to get picked, so she volunteers. You can, uh, at any point, someone can volunteer. The only section that... that what, no, now, now, I don't remember much about the book, but I think I remember that, like, there are people from the upper districts that are, like, trained. Yes, and, and I'm getting to that point, if you let me finish. <laughs> no, I won't. I want to be involved in this as much as I can. Oh. And the only thing I remember is I volunteer as tribute, and those dicks were um, trained. Yes, that's literally the part I'm getting ready to say right now. All right, so, fine. The only, I literally started with the only people, and then you go. <laughs> okay, so the only people who ever volunteer are from districts one, two, three, and four. They are known as the careers because they get to, they, they train their whole lives specifically to win the Hunger Games. And the best of the best Automat on when they turn, I think it's seventeen or eighteen. They volunteer to be tributes because it's considered an honor for them to go fight for their district. They have an alliance and forming. They formed an alliance, and I'm like, this isn't going to last because even if you win, you're just going to kill each other later. That's true, but they all. That's why they're so powerful because these guys literally train for combat, and they try. They train to essentially take out everyone else. So the way the Hunger Games works is 24 children enter an arena. The arena is, and it the changes every year, but it is a real life situation. The Hunger Games in the movie and the book is differs a little bit in that in the movie, it feels like the Hunger Games last for maybe two or three days. And in the book, the Hunger Games last for like weeks. They literally, so, in the movie, they literally are like, it's the finale, uh, so they wanted to speed it up. Yes, that which happens in the book too, but in the in the movie, it feels very much like like I think the only time you know that time is passing is when Katniss wakes up and asks Rue how long she's been out, and Rue said it was like three days. So that's the only way you know that like time has really passed. Yeah, we got like but, two weeks tops. Yeah, but in the book, like it lasts, it it lasts for a minute. So that's why in the movie they even say, which I'm getting ahead, but anyway, in the movie they even tell you like, don't worry about killing or being killed. Figure out how to survive. 
So anyway, um, so Katniss gets chosen in the reaping and, um, or no, she doesn't get chosen. I'm sorry. Primrose gets chosen. Katniss volunteers to take her place, which is the first time anyone from her district has ever volunteered. And she tells her sister, you know, to be strong and be brave. And she essentially knows she's going off to die because she is from an outlying district and nobody from her district like lives. It's very rare. Um, it's mom so believed in her. That <clears throat> Peter's mom, yeah. Um, it's it's so rare that someone from her district survives that they only have one mentor. So your mentor is whoever from your district wins. They end up being moved from the poor circumstances that your your district is in, and they live in what's known as the Victor Circle. And basically, they're like outcasts. It's like, yeah, you killed as many people as possible, and you're traumatized for life because you were just a child at the time, and you saw death, and you had to murder people to survive. It's essentially like several wars being taught, being fought as you know a child. And then you have survivor's guilt for the rest of your life. And then that's not enough because every single year, you then have to teach two more people from your district how to survive. And every single year, you are essentially teaching children how to survive and kill, and they will almost always die. Almost always. And for the rest of your life, every single year, you have to relive this, and you have to watch a new crop of children die. No wonder um, their mentor was an alcoholic. Yes, Hamish. And we'll get to his story in a second, but there's reason for him to be as, there's really bad. This is meant to be a summary, by the way. This is a summary. We'll get into details Um, later. Okay, so to summarize, um, Katniss enters. Uh, so Hamish is her mentor. He's the only one who's survived for a for several generations. Um, and she gets into the Hunger Games with Peta. Hamish is of pretty much no use because he's just an alcoholic, and he's gotten to the point where, like I just said, like because he keeps seeing people die, he's like, I don't even want to get to know him because he knows they're gonna die. So he's just like, just just he'll tell them things like, you know, just stay alive, whatever. Um, so they get to the Hunger Games. Hijinks ensue. Hijinks. Um, hijinks. Well, you don't want details. So hijinks ensue. Yada, yada, yada. I'm literally fast-forwarding through, like, the actual games themselves. Um, Katniss and Peeta. So we're in, the, we're in the Hunger Games, right? Okay, so, Katniss- so we're in the Hunger Games. And Katniss, um, her father, when she, when she was young, before he died, he taught her how to use a bow and arrow. And she became somewhat of a Hawkeye. And she's really good with a bow and arrow. She, um, in fact, helped keep her family and her best friend Gail's family from starving, often by killing wild turkeys. And so she, in the Hunger Games, is able to get a hold of a bow and arrow. That helps her. She also makes a friend in a little girl named Rue. And I'm sure that she, wouldn't come back to bite her in the ass. <laughs> um, it doesn't because Rue actually saves her life. That's true. Um, Rue is adorable. Yes. And Rue teaches her a song um, that, you, that they whistle from her district. Um, and then and she teaches her the salute, which is like a three-finger salute with your thumb and pinky down. And it's a, it's a show of solidarity. But it's a show of solidarity with the other with the district and you're supposed to be very you're supposed to stay very divided because that's how the government you know that's how the capital can keep control divide and conquer right so they're not divided allowed to we tra- stand divided we fall right and he wants you to stay fallen <laughs> so 
Because so, divide and conquer. The more divided you are, the easier you are to conquer. So the district, you're not allowed to, tra to travel between districts. You're not allowed to show any kind of solidarity between districts. And then Rue unfortunately dies. When she dies, Katniss kind of loses her shit and shows solidarity with Rue's district. That sparks a rebellion. Which, because will, which people really are, starts in the sequel. Yes, but it's but the the mm. the spark of which happens when Rue dies and Katniss shows solidarity with that uh, with them. So then, um, when Katniss and Peter were on the train on the way to you know the games, they were just were talking and Peter says, you know, I know I'm gonna die. I just want to be me. I don't want to go out in a way that's not me. He and in the beginning, a charming it like, motherfucker. <laughs> yes. It looks like he might be, because in the beginning of the games, he allies with the careers. The reason why the careers decide to ally with him is because, number one, he's very strong. But number two, because he's from the same district as Katniss, and he knows Katniss, and Katniss has the highest survivability rating. So the careers are hunting for her. Did they do that on purpose, specifically yes. so that they'd hunt her? Yes. The reason why, she, well, not specifically so that they would hunt her necessarily. The reason why she got the highest favorability rating is because in a session before you go, if they had training. They have like about a month or so of training before they go into the actual games. And oh, in the, again, that's one thing that, that feels like it was like a day and a half. Yeah. Um, so, well, they learn like survivability, they learn weapons, they learn, you know, all kinds of things. Um, and after the training, you then have to go, you have like an interview, if you will, with the game maker and with other prominent people know, who are known to sponsor. And if you get a sponsor, then say you're hungry, that a sponsor can send you food. Oh, a sponsor. That's the title. Yes. Um, but they, it's not like, oh, I'm looking at this starving child, I'm going to send them food. No, they only go for, it's very much entertainment for rich people. Yeah, so that's, that's one thing that only... we've got to get into later. But the fact is that the, the um, President Snow is like, this is to show the districts uh, our mercy or whatever. But really, it's just fallen to reality television, like Running Man. I got a lot of no, it's, very much, it's very much reality television, but it's the Hunger Games themselves has a greater purpose in in and of itself, and that is to keep so for the for the people of the capital, it makes the people from the other from all the districts because the capital is considered separate. The people from the people of the capital, it is very much reality TV, and they love it. For everybody else, it's terrifying because they know these kids. And they're, they think of it like we do, like they're children and we're watching them be brutally murdered and starved to death and freeze to death and all of these horrible things. But it keeps the capital from having any empathy. It makes the capital look at them like animals, like not even animals. They would be kinder to their animals than they are to, pe to these people. They and talk it, to them like wild animals fun. instead of their pets. Yes, they, can, they consider the people of, and it keeps that mindset so that it keeps this, like, it keeps the levels in place so that you very much have a capitals up here and you guys are down there and was, you guys um, are 
there was a shot that I saw, which was I thought was very interesting, where it was Katniss looking at a kid that was playing with a weapon. And I'm 100% sure that that's a weapon from like his favorite player in the Hunger Games, in a previous year for the Hunger Games. Yes. Like, they're capitalizing like said, on suffering. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's like the people in the capital, even as children, it, it's almost like a cartoon for them. They don't see these people as actual people. They're like wild animals that are being slaughtered. And the kids, it's very much like Super Bowl, except with the Super Bowl, like nobody dies. It's just the teams get eliminated, you know? But for them, it's like, even though real people die, they don't see them as real people, so it's fine. So they celebrate it and they have bets on who's going to win and all of that. So yeah, so it's very much this mind difference. And um, so it's, it's... it's intentional. How do they end the Hunger Games? I just said, did you get anything of what I said before, or did nope. it? Or did nothing? It just crapped out. Okay. Um, so quickly, since Peter didn't want himself, since Peter didn't want to have them change him, Katniss came up with a plan. Um, the game maker had said that if two people from the same district survived, that they could both survive the Hunger Games, which normally it was just one person. Um, there was, there could only be one winner. And after making this rule, Katniss and Peter survived. And then the game maker changed the rule again and said, psych, one of you has to kill the other one. And Katniss decided, no problem. We'll both eat this deadly berry and we'll both die. You'll have no winner. So then he was like, fuck no, no, you no. And fuck the system. Yeah, exactly. Which allowed Peter to be still Peter. It didn't, the games didn't change him. Cause he didn't so, want to be a killer. Right. Um, so, which ironically, Katniss is a killer because she killed the kid who killed Rue. Uh, and she also and killed she, those people with wasps. I was just about to say that. She also killed a bunch of people with tracker jackers. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but she herself got stung multiple times. It was just, the only reason she didn't die was because of Rue. Um, so, at the, the end, so they end the game. At the end, President Snow is like, I'm watching you because I know what you did. And that's technically the end of the first movie. Excellent. Yes. And then I assume, but my, my biggest thing going into it was like, oh, I get it. She starts a rebellion and whatever. And she does, but I'm like, wait a minute, she didn't want to? It was just a side effect? No. Yeah, so in the book, in all of the books, we are very much aware that Katniss, there is nothing special about her. And that's the whole appeal is that she's the every girl. She's not, it's not like Harry Potter where it's like, oh, you're special. Instead, it's very much like there is nothing special about her. She's just- You know how hard J.K. Rowling tried to make that not a thing uh, after that happened. We're not going to cover like the entirety of both of our series, but I want to get into like why that's not a thing once I do my summary. Okay. Okay. Why it's not a thing that Harry Potter is special? Yeah. Why it's, she's, it's a whole thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, so she ends on game. Everything's great. That is a great setup to like the big fight at the end. Plus, as someone who's only read the first book once, I, I, it works way better as a movie, by the way. Because mm-hmm. uh, well, it's, it's an action, it's, it's very action based. Uh huh. So while you don't get to go into Katniss's head, it works well as in like an action movie, like 
uh, Running Man or what? That's the that's the funny part is that the third book is the exact opposite. The third book is far better as a book than a movie, especially two movies. I'd because like to apologize on behalf of Harry Potter for ruining YA fiction forever because they split the last <laughs> book. They they split the book last book into two because they had to. And then everyone's like, oh, if we do that, then we make twice as much money. High fives, high fives, let's go to lunch. You know what? I will give a slight defense to Hunger Games because there is a lot that happens in the in the last book. True. Um, because Hunger but in, is very- uh, in Twilight, they mainly play chess. And as someone who hasn't read those books, but has seen the first movie, nothing much mm. happens. Well, I mean, nothing happens in Twilight at all. It's a terrible series. But <laughs> in the Hunger Games, like with the with the book series, it's very much like an avalanche. It's like, and each book is like that as well. So you start off, it's boring. And then about halfway, you're like tumbling down this rabbit hole of action adventure. And that's, and the series is like that too. Like a little bit happens in the first one. And the second one, a little more happens. And then in the third one, like everything happens. Okay, so uh, we're going to be comparing Hunger Games to Harry Potter for the next section of this. But first of all, let's do the summary. Go for it. Harry Potter lives with his aunt and uncle because two adults in their mid-twenties don't have any other living relatives at all anywhere. Either muggles or wizards. What shit luck. Um, That's pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry spends the first 10 years living in a cupboard under the stairs without any oversight from either wizards or muggles. No one checks in on him. I assume that that would be a thing, but whatever. Um, then the BFG comes along uh, and takes Harry shopping. Wait, BFG. hold up. What the hell is a BFG? The big friendly giant from Roald Dahl. Uh, okay, and does this big friendly giant have a name? Uh, his name is Hagrid, or not Santa. Okay. <laughs> So Hagrid, and by the way, in the book, no one really, people suspect that he might be a giant, but like that's taboo. And people think that he's not actually a giant or half giant. They think that he's got uh, magic bullshit happen to him to make him bigger. And it isn't actually revealed that he's an actual giant um, until the fourth book. Okie dokie. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Politics in the Wizarding World is very... um, Racist. Are giants bad? Uh, the the, um, the Wizarding World are a bunch of assholes. Okay. Like, so even, they don't... Uh, like, we have uh, Death Eaters in the later books that think that uh, muggles are bad, but even... And try and kill muggles. But even before that, even Molly Weasley, who's my favourite character, uh, mm. even she's like, ah, these stupid muggles. So there's already, like, inbuilt racism throughout there from muggles or discrimination. I don't know if muggles are to Yeah, it would be discrimination. Are you going to explain what muggles are? Muggles are non-magical beings. You got muggles that are like the Dursleys and us, and then you got wizards and witches, and then you got uh, squibs. And squibs are basically muggles born into magical family. They don't come along until the third book? No, second book. Wait. A squib is a muggle, a non-magician born into a magician's family? Yeah, wizards, but yes. Like Filch, the <laughs> so, caretaker, he's a squib. That's why he doesn't use magic. So how does that work? If you're born into a magical family, so it's is magic Hermione. like the force? 
So is magic uh, the force where like it just only certain people can wield it? I think it's more genetics. Like, um, people, if it's genetics, how can you be born into a family and not that a family of a magicians and gene oh. and a dominant gene, like black black hair and blonde hair or whatever? Um, and you know, Hermione also Hermione has Muggle parents and she's a witch. It's the same deal, but the opposite. Yeah, again, how does that work? Just very strange. Very Look, strange. Um, Harry Harry Potter as a series has like very deep fuck off lore, right? And the reason that it works is that you don't need to think about this to enjoy the movie. If you did think about it, then you you go down so many rabbit holes, and then you end up taking the Pottermore quiz, and like your whole life would revolve around. You, you could make an entire YouTube channel with your brother about Harry Potter lore. Super Carlin Brothers. Super Carlin Brothers. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so we wouldn't want to do that, would we? Uh, no. <laughs> One episode, and that's it. Right. Um, so. But if you have, like, any questions about the lore, I got it online. Oh, so you just want to do the channel by yourself? (laughs) (laughs) I love how you're like, yeah, you don't want to do all of that. I've already done it. I've spent the last, like, (laughs) 10 years figuring this shit out. More than that, 15 years at this point. Fuck. This is hilarious. A little sad, but definitely hilarious. Yeah. But I can't say anything because I'm probably the same when it comes to Marvel. Definitely Marvel. Probably also Star Wars. Eh, Definitely Marvel. Definitely Marvel. I'm a bit more of a casual fan when it comes to Star Wars. And then I've seen all the movies several times, but I haven't read the books. I've read the comics but the books. Because like Star Wars just goes on and on for infinity, and I've only gone like halfway down the rabbit hole. The, um, we'll get into it when we cover Star Wars. So uh, Hagrid takes Harry shopping. Luckily, his his parents were rich, so that sorts that out for basically the rest of the books. And it's- yeah, and how lucky was he that his parents were rich? Maybe that's why her sister hated her so much because she ended up being rich. Well, it's explained why she, uh, he, she hates her. She's jealous. She wanted magic. She wrote, uh, uh, not Lily, uh, Petunia wrote to Dumbledore for years wanting to go to Hogwarts. Oh, so it's one of those things with the weird repressive gene that one sibling can have magic and one sibling not. Yeah, it's super unfair, but that's how life works. Life's unfair. Anyone who Indeed. says otherwise is selling so, something. You just quoted Princess Bride. It's um, my thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are there, there, is her family magical? Like, are their parents magical? And it was uh, just this one sister that wasn't? No, her entire family is muggles. Up until like four generations back or something, J.K. Rowling basically invents family trees. And the way it works is that if you have one magical relative somewhere in the past, then you can have magic, probably not, but you might. And usually how it works is that a muggle marries a squib and then their kids either have magic or don't, but usually don't. And then it just happens that Lily and Hermione both got the um, the repressive gene for magic. This is very much sounding like the Force. So in other words, the Force is strong with her, but not her family. I mean, yeah, sure. I don't care. Um okay. And by the way, I think genetics is only a fan theory. Like, it's a really good fan theory, and I think J.K. Rowling has taken it on board to try and explain it. But it's not in the books, I don't think. It might have been. 
So it's not in the books. It's just random in the books. It's just like, you get magic, but not you. Screw you. So basically, magic is like a tornado. Choosing at will who gets to wield it. Yes. It's like the Force. Well, okay, if we're going to go down that rabbit hole. Look, I don't actually know about the Force at all. <laughs> Uh, so it might not be. Technically, the force is controlled by the wills, and they choose who gets to wield it. Oh, and they're like, "Oh, you you get have more metachlorians, you get to wield it or something." Essentially. All right, cool. The wills give metachlorians to the one they want to wield the to one that they want to have the ability to wield the force. That's um, what the people talk about. What George Lucas was going to do for the sequels, that is what he was going to do for the sequels. That's why he brought metachlorians into the prequels. Sounds interesting. No, no, it doesn't. Well, it sounds interesting <laughs> in concept. So, yeah. um, so he goes shopping and then, for some reason, spends like a month in Diagon Alley because his birthday is at the end of July on the 31st of July. And then uh, the Hogwarts Express Wait. is in September. So Hold he on. spends. He spends a month in Diagon Alley? Well, yeah, because the movies are, are like bad adaptations. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. In the book, he goes home. Because of course he goes home. Why wouldn't he go home? That's dumb. And also, since he since Hagrid took him to Diagon Alley instead of the Dursleys, Hagrid basically is like, yeah, you got to go to Diagon to platform to uh, the Hogwarts Express. Okay, bye. And then Harry's like, this says nine and three quarters. Hagrid, that's not a, I, I, I don't know. Mm, and then he leaves by magic, even though he's expelled. Wait, who's expelled? Hagrid's expelled. He can't do magic anymore. But he turned the he did the pig thing. Yeah, yeah. Um. So Dumbledore, Dumbledore made it. Uh, went to the Ministry of Magic and got Hagrid permission to some magic to get him away from the Dursley. And also, he just dicks about a bit. Okay. So what did Hagrid do to become expelled? That's because that's nowhere secrets. near the movie. Uh, that, that was coming from the Chamber of Secrets. Tom Riddle, who's Voldemort, framed him for killing a, a girl who's now a ghost. And apparently the girl, the girl Dumbledore has so much power that he didn't get sent to Azkaban, even though he accidentally killed a girl who's now a ghost. And, is like... It perhaps uh, because it was an accident? Yeah. Also, like, she's a ghost. So at any point, they could be like, hey, who killed you? And was it a spider? Uh, and what? she's like, no, it was a, it had yellow eyes and I stared at it. It was at that sink. And it's like, oh, cool. I'm Harry Potter. I asked you these things. No one else gave a, gave a shit enough to ask her. Not even Dumbledore, who was there and knew that Hagrid was innocent. These so is this dumb, the girl that cries in the I'm bathroom? <laughs> is that the girl that cries in the bathroom? The ghost uh, girl? Yeah, that's the girl that cries in the bathroom. Uh, okay. Also, when they get into um so he meets ron and hermione uh on the train also draco i think on the train did he meet her on the no he met him on the train in the book no he met him in diagon alley in the book and then again on the train and then so they just moved that to uh the entrance yeah in the movie he meets him in like once they're at the school he meets him in hogwarts he doesn't see him on the train before at all cool and um and then so when they get to hogwarts the best actor shows up uh Tom Felton as Draco Malfoy is the best child actor. And I'm like, you are saving this movie with your acting. And he's just a sleazy bastard. I mean, he is, but you're talking about a film with Alan Rickman. No, no, no. Child acting. All of the adults are great. All right. Every single adult is great from like the guy that played Dumbledore to, uh, 
to Maggie to Alan Rickman. Everyone is great. And then the child acting is like, that's like, oh, no. Well, I mean, they are kids. Yes. Oh, also, <laughs> my favorite thing to do is because they only add teachers at uh, when they show up as main characters, the teacher's uh-huh. head desk is filled with the three teachers that they need for this movie, the three or four teachers that they need for this movie, and just some randos. Indeed. And then as they, which is hilarious, because I'm just like, you're probably Professor, what's her name for the books or whatever. Like, you're Professor Trelawney. No, I picked the one character that doesn't actually sit at the table. God damn it. <laughs> anyway, so- I love um, how you know all of this stuff, because I'm just sitting here like, what table? And then I realize, oh, you mean like when they're in the big hall and they're eating? Yeah, yeah when I they're never eating. That and didn't care. Yeah, that's fine. Um, also, <laughs> it, it really doesn't matter. Like, all of these adaption things don't matter because it's a good movie. Like, I don't give a yeah. shit that, like, these randoms are there instead of the future teachers because I'm seeing Hogwarts for the first time. Like, does it matter that all of the buildings are lopsided even though they're straight in the book? And I'm like, no, because that looks better. It's visually distinctive to have the wizarding world not give a shit. Indeed. The only people that care about, like, uh, about making stuff look proper is the Ministry for Magic. And they have been assholes throughout this entire series. So fuck them. Yeah, but they're not in the first one. True. But, like... At least movie of a book. Yeah. But they're not in the first movie at all. Yeah, they're not in the first movie at all. And, like... The way that the first movie and the second movie work is that they're for children. So, like, things get, like, darker and more in-depth as you go along. But in the first two movies, they're just, like, silly movies with magic. Which well, I, that, which was the genius of, that was the genius of Rowling, because normally when you write a child's novel, the children outgrow your novels. So then your characters stay perpetually the same age, and you just keep trying to reach for the next generation. But instead, she was like, no, you guys are going to keep coming back and the movies, the, the books are going to get more and more adult. They're going to keep up with you. It's probably the best thing that she, that that she could have thought of. Beyond just the concept of the Wizarding World, having it so that it gets more and more adult and more and more dark as it goes along means that she moved from writing the first three books, I want to say, as kids' books to the fourth one uh, when Voldemort comes back to the fifth and sixth one to be your young adult books. Yes, I think she did that because she had a kid who was probably the same age as these characters as she was writing them. Probably. Anyway, it's, it's very she clever. With her kid, but anywho. Okay, so your description has gotten us exactly like 20 minutes into the movie. Okay, fine. There's a mystery. Um, <laughs> there's a mystery where like, I wonder what um, Snape is trying to steal. They think it's Snape because look at him. Um, Who's Snape? Snape is Alan Rickman, and Alan Rickman looks like an overgrown bat. Overgrown bat. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's just going around the thing going, I'm not evil, I promise. Also, I hate all of you. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not true. evil, but I am a dick constantly to everyone. Anyway, so, so in this book called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, they want to know, in the movie Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, if you're an idiot, um, they want to know... What and by idiot, you do me American. Thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, they thought that you were idiots. That's why they changed it. They're like, Americans don't know what a philosopher is, especially little Americans. 
but everyone else is like, yeah, we can keep philosopher. Who cares? They're going to have to Google what, what sorcerer is anyway. Moving and, on. Uh, yeah. So, so there's a mystery <laughs> around, around what the philosopher, what they're looking for and what the stone shaped object is. And the entire movie, they're like, I wonder what the stone shaped ob- object is. It's like small enough to be a stone. I wonder what it is. And the, meanwhile, the audience is just like, I know the title. Like, I'm six. I'm not a moron. And then uh-huh. the stone science object turns out to be the Philosopher's Stone, which is a real thing I come to learn years later. <laughs> uh, so uh, Harry, find, Harry um, and his friends go to find the Philosopher's Stone, and they go past traps that were designed to keep Voldemort out, but apparently a bunch of 11-year-olds could get past them, so top-notch security right there. Well, yeah, but they find it because of Hagrid. Yeah, but like Voldemort, these ones are designed to keep Voldemort out. And it's like, you need to get past all these puzzles instead of not that. Instead of it being like, what's the password? And that's it. Okay, but to Dumbledore's credit, Voldemort wasn't able to get to the stone because of the mirror was the real security. That there's a very popular fan theory that like the mirror was the thing. Then the rest of it was just bait to try and get Voldemort trapped in the mirror. Wait, the mirror? I thought it was a spell. Um, the the mirror that the stone is in has a spell on it that Dumbledore added uh, later. Wait, the stone was in the mirror? Look, it's very complicated. But essentially, yes. I just watched the movie literally five minutes before we started doing this. And then from watching the movie, it looked like the stone was just there, but Dumbledore had put a spell on it so that you can't get it if you're looking for it and want to use it. That's essentially correct. He was able to get it only because he didn't want to use it. Yes, but also so the mirror is involved I somehow. I, I think that it's safe to say that it was in the mirror. And he put it okay. in the mirror uh, so that Voldemort would see himself and be rich or immortal and then not get the stone. And then if someone, say, Harry, who he relies on way too much for someone that doesn't do any spells, in the, uh, for he relies on him to find the stone before Harry before Voldemort does, and then murder him with his bare hands! Well, I mean, he didn't murder him, he just touched him, and then he happened to die from it. Yes, but, like, he (laughs) saw, in the movie, not the book, but in the movie, he saw that his body was disintegrating. That Quill's body was disintegrating because of his hands. And he was just like, oh, it's on now! And then he held his head until it evaporated into dust. (laughs) That's not how no, it works in the book, but like, the I love it. The best part of that is the explanation by Dumbledore. He's like, the power of love. Which is a real thing that happens in the book. Uh, the magic, like, because uh, they have magic as part of them, uh, the reason that, that Voldemort or none of his Death Eaters could find Harry is because the, of the spell that was around uh, Petunia. Which is Petunia. Like, yeah, which is the retcon, because it's Lily's uh, love that protected Harry, that protects Harry until he's uh, 17, because we need to get the plot going on that at that point. Okay. But, so wait, when he's 17, it just, his, the, his mother's love fades away and is gone? Yeah, because he's of age. So all the protection spells, now that he's of Oh my age, gosh, this is starting to sound like real life. You're old enough now, I don't love you, get out. Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, also, at some point, uh, but, uh, during Order of the Phoenix, Voldemort comes back, and then uh, Dudley, his cousin, is attacked by a monstrous creature that tries to suck out your soul and feeds on your happiness and everything's shit. Uh, and then Petunia is like... Couldn't have happened to a better person. Yeah. And then Petunia's like, no, fuck off. And then Dumbledore... And then um, and then he's like, Voldemort's back. And she's like, ah, oh, motherfuck. Everything's terrible. The fact that he's back, it's literally the only magical thing I care about throughout this entire series. So <sighs> she knows who Voldemort is. Yes, everyone does. Because he was basically Hitler. And he was around like... 10 years ago, because Harry is 10. Wait, you cut out. So, so Harry uh, is the one that destroyed Voldemort with the power of love. Um, <laughs> I'm hearing a Huey Lewis in the news song in my head right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, um, so, so all that happened, he gets the stone, and then uh, Voldemort dies, and then Dumbledore's like, good luck uh, in the rest of the series. All right, bye. And then he eats some candy, <laughs> and then everyone claps for him, in, I think. No, that was the next one. Never mind. Oh, and uh, this they, one, oh, plus they uh, lose how? 150 points for no reason at all. Who does? Hermione, uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione lose 150 points for basically no reason. In the movie, okay, from just having watched it, they each lose 50 points. Yeah, but it's also garbage. Draco. So does Draco, though, because they were all out at night. Yeah, They're all supposed but to be like, that's dumb. Lose like five points for being out at night. That's stupid. And that's not how it was in the book, but that's, the, that's literally the dumbest thing in the entire movie. Oh. Well, I mean, I can understand, just from just watching the movie, I can understand it because some crazy shit's going on at night around that's that magic. Like, and they have that dangerous forest that they were in, that they end up being sent to. That's the part that doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. Why, send, why send three children into the danger, the most dangerous place on earth to go hunt down the most dangerous creature because obviously it's a dangerous creature if it's killing unicorns. I'm That's 100% sure that Filch was in charge of that punishment and Filch is an asshole. Even still, Dumbledore should have been like, no, that we're not going to do that. We're not going to endanger children because you hate them. Yeah, we're going to have them write lines like a normal school. Yeah. So that, that to me, like I actually sided with Draco on that. Like, this is bullshit. These are children. That is bullshit. These are children. And the main main reason that he's there, obviously, is to see Voldemort. That's why that happened. And this this entire book series is full of plot holes. Like, the movies are full of plot holes because they change the context around stuff. The books are full of plot holes because she's like, I don't give a shit. I'm writing Harry Potter. Praise me. And I'm like, I will, because you are. Just don't get on Twitter and, and we'll all be good. Okay, um, I think you might need some therapy about this. So Harry, um, so Harry goes home and he's like, oh, what's his my home? Because fuck you, Dursleys. Yeah, it actually, that's the, the weird thing. It's like, it ends with, like, there's, there's like a false ending and then an ending ending. And the false ending is like, hey, the school gets all the points because, you know, everybody was cool and they're even with Slytherin. But then Neville gets points because he stood up to his friends and he got petrified by Hermione. And, and that, was, like, yeah. that was Dumbledore doing fucking math. Yeah. <laughs> so because of that, the you know, Granny's happy. That's like, to me, that's the ending. But then they're like, no, we're going to make it depressing before we go. No, so we, here- we have to like... We, have, we can't just stay at Hogwarts. We've got to go home. They go home at yeah. the end of every well, year, I think. Home. Harry's reality is shit. 
That's the only is shit. It's so bad that that they have to like change the context around it. So um so like in the first book, the Desleys have all the power, everyone's terrible to him throughout the entire uh in private drive, everything's terrible, right? Right. Then in Chamber of Secrets, they think he can do magic because Harry doesn't bother to tell them that he's not allowed to do magic outside of school. So every time Dudley is being a dick, he just goes, Umble jumble, abracadabra, fuck off. And <laughs> I love it. So um, is Chamber of Secrets book two? I thought that was three. Is it two? Uh, Chamber of Secrets is two. And then, okay. and then um, a house elf drops a pudding, which is not what you think it is. It's basically a cake. Um, but he drops why is it called pudding? Because the British are coming. <laughs> um, okay. So oh. he drops a giant fuck off pudding on top of that. And the Ministry of Magic is like, well, we don't think you have any other magical creatures around you. So like, don't do magic outside of school. And then the Des is like, oh, you can't do magic outside of school. Files on his window immediately. It's like, fuck off. We're not sending you to Hogwarts. Who cares? And then Ron uh, rescues him and then he leaves. Uh, and then in Prison of Azkaban, uh, they're also being dicks to him, um, but like that's fine because he runs away and goes to and lives at Diagon Alley for a couple of weeks. Doesn't he at some point end up living with Ron's family? Nope, it's always the Dursleys because he has to keep going back to the Dursleys. But after one of the movies, that he ends up staying with Ron's parents for a little bit. Uh, for a little bit, yeah. Oh. That, when Ron rescues him in Chamber of Secrets, then uh, yeah. he lives at the Burrow for um, a couple months. How long did this summer last? At least a month. Like three months. Yeah. So, so why can't he just stay with the Weasleys at the end of every every session? Let me check. What? That's a good question. Hang on. Uh. Okay. So in the third book, his aunt's gonna. Uh, his aunt Marge is coming over, and it's for. And then he runs away, catches a bus because they have magical buses uh, to Diagon Alley, and stays at Diagon Alley for the next couple of weeks. For the last two weeks. In Goblet of Fire, he does. In the Goblet of Fire, okay, so he, he, he goes... He does stay with the movie. Yeah. Basically, it's only the first two movies that they have any real power. And then after that, they just... In, especially in the movies, they're like, how little um, time can we spend with the Dursleys at all? Right? Yeah, they're shit. Yeah, they really are shit. And um, in the books, after Voldemort comes back, they're out. They're, they're basically nobody. Like... Um, the only thing I remember about the fifth book is that with the Dursleys is that Dudley gets attacked by Dementor and then Harry basically spends as little time as possible with the Dursleys at all because he's like 15 and who gives a shit? Mm. Um, so he spends a lot of this time on trains and Dudley doesn't talk to him until the seventh book. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a long series. Indeed. Uh, which is why, uh, I only wanted you to watch the first one. So now that we've discussed that, we can discuss like both of these, how they set up our series and how, and what happens later. Okay. Okay. So our main characters are Harry and Katniss. Indeed. Um, tell me about Katniss. Well, I did. She's, she's the every girl. She is no one special. The same with um, Harry Potter. We don't know that he's the chosen one yet. So ah. all we know is that he got lucky somehow. Um, I'm gonna say I'm okay. Are we talking about books or are we talking about movies? We're gonna talk about movies. Movies. Okay, let's talk about movies. If we're talking about if we're talking about movies, 
Because from the very beginning, we are told Harry is special. You're right. He's the boy who lives. Uh, exactly. He, he basically I think it's, a better to, it's basically movie. if you got shot in the face, uh, and then you're like, oh my god, he could survive getting shot in the face. It's amazing. Yeah. And then you're um, right. He's he's always been the boy who lives. Yeah, but and him being the chosen one, which doesn't happen until book five. But every time he's like every time someone sees him, that's why he makes Hagrid finally tell him what happened. Because anytime someone finds out he's Harry Potter, they're like, <gasps> and he's like, okay, what the fuck? Like, you're why right. is everybody? He's the boy who lives. Yeah, everything's terrible. And um, you're right. So we have an every girl that has to that accidentally does something special yeah. uh, and starts a revolution. Harry, who has all this pressure put on him, but he's a child, so and he accidentally uh, survives a couple of times, and then he has to basically do the stuff that Katniss does in the first book, uh, or the first movie, or whatever, uh, in the fifth one. So... Okay, so there, there, are, there are parallels between them because both of them are children and both of them have circumstances thrust upon them. Mm-hmm. The difference is when we meet Katniss, she's a nobody. She's not special in any way. When we meet Harry in the movie, he is very much a chosen one scenario. This is the special boy. We see him Just as so a baby. Clear, Harry started the yeah. chosen one scenario. Everyone that said he's the chosen one was copying Harry. Like Spider-Man. Why the fuck was Spider-Man a chosen one? That's dumb as dog shit. Spider-Man? What yeah, are you in, talking about? In The Amazing Spider-Man, he had like spider stuff happen to him and his parents were doing spider experiments or some bullshit. I don't remember. But everyone was copying the, the chosen one scenario because of Harry Potter. But you're right. Yeah. In the, in the, the chosen one scenario started about 2019 years ago. Um, <laughs> but, it be, but the point is, the modern one became popular because of Harry Potter. I mean, the chosen one is a—it's a motif that's been around for a while. Like even the Matrix was a chosen one. There have always been the chosen one series. True. But um, but with Katniss, it's the anti-chosen one. She is not the chosen one. She's I just love that every- everyone thinks that she's the chosen one, and then she's like, "Wait, what? I, I did what now?" Well, see, that's the thing. She is the accidental. She. It's very much like American politics, where it's like there. Someone shines for some incidental reason that they have no idea what they did, but for some reason they're the big one. And now it's like, ah, it's your time in the spotlight. So in other words, she gets her fifteen minutes of fame, and she doesn't realize that but she's those in that fifteen minutes started a revolution. Exactly, but she did. She didn't do it intentionally, and she has no idea. She you is not a willing participant. This at all, uh, how exactly. Some it, it's there's similarities, I, but also different. Yeah, I find it interesting that, every, like, basically, imagine that you, as a baby, survived um, a serial killer, and then after that, the serial killer went away, and everyone gave you all the credit for it. Well, if that's he what's was... happening with Harry, and we find out later that it was um, Lily who put a spell on him, sort of. Uh, that made it so that he did it. So he he feels like throughout the entire series that he hasn't earned being famous, and he's been, and every year he's trying to uh, prove that he is worth all the attention that he's getting. Yeah, that was actually just kind of a throwaway line in the movie because when he looks into, oh no, it's on the Sorting Hat. When the Sorting Hat goes on his head, he was like, "Ah, oh, you're trying to prove yourself or trying to earn your worth or something yeah, like a that." Yeah, first like, to prove yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's the only line in the movie that, that makes that known in the first movie at all. Aside from that, it's just like, and, and actually later on in the movie, like when, um, when Ron tells him when they're playing chess and Ron's like, you're the one who has to do it. He's like, yeah, I am the one. So he kind of, it's kind of like Neo very much like where there's that turn where at first he's like, I didn't, I'm no one special. And then he's like, starts to believe. And then he is the special one. Exactly. So he's and throughout the, um, in the first two movies, he, it's essentially the same thing. He goes in, there's a mystery, and then he goes down to uh, a trap door to a dungeon in order to face Voldemort. That happens right. twice. It's, it's essentially the same movie, but in the second Voldemort? movie, there's a murder mystery without murder. With, um, wait a minute. A murder mystery without murder? Yeah, essentially everyone gets, uh, all the victims in the murder mystery get petrified instead of killed, and there's a threat of murder. But imagine, but if you You're see, gone. It, it, it's who cares it's the second movie but yeah so harry is the is special but doesn't think that he is and katniss isn't special but everyone else thinks that she is yes but not in the first one in the first one she's still not special in, in the end she doesn't become special until the very end of the first movie i'd argue and i haven't seen the sequels but i'd argue that in that movie she's just like the entirety of the thing is just like well i survived but like I don't want to start a revolution and I can't talk to people. You know that. Um, well, I would, you're, you're somewhat right, except she's not even thinking of a revolution. She is, she's, that's not on her mind. The only thing on her mind is survival. That's uh-huh. it. Which is, and, um, which is interesting. And because, yes. and we have like Voldemort coming to the, coming back in this one, but we don't, but we and Harry doesn't know that until the very end. Right. That's why I said, so you were cut out for a little bit, but I, when you said that he w- goes down the trap door to face Voldemort, and the movie, it doesn't seem that he knows he's going to face Voldemort. He's no, just he thinks to... that he's going to save, that he's going to face Snape, which isn't Voldemort. Right. And he doesn't yeah. think that Voldemort, like he thinks that Snape is working for Voldemort. And in the book, at least, he thinks that Snape might be with, Vol- uh, with Voldemort. Okay. Yeah, in the movie, they pretty much said the same thing. He thinks Snape is trying to get the Philosopher's Stone to give it to Voldemort so that Voldemort could come back. Yeah, um, it's essentially the same thing, except that there's a line uh, with Hermione uh, when they pass Snape's trap, which they cut out of the movie. They cut out Snape's one, even though they have a, they have a line that says Snape's one of the people protecting the stone. It's just like, with what? Yeah. What with that poster scene that you didn't see? Yeah, there was no potion scene. What was Snape's trap? So Snape's trap was a logic puzzle with potions. Ah, sounds interesting. Uh huh. I can it understand does, why, doesn't it? I, yeah, I, I understand it, but like the entire point is that he was also protecting the stone. Indeed. Like I understand cu- cutting Quirrell's one out because he's the bad guy. But yeah, he had a he had a thing too. Uh, yeah, it was a troll, which is like because he sent the troll into the the um in for Halloween to distract everyone. Because mm-hmm. that's one hell of a distraction. Um, the the sign that he was that he dealt with the troll was like also part of it. So yeah, that oh. happened. Um, so Harry and Katniss are very similar, uh, but they their context is pretty different. But they both have to step up later in the series in order to help with the revolution or to stop the bad guy. I was going to say there's a revolution in Harry Potter. Well, Voldemort takes over the government. Uh, in oh. uh, as soon as 
as basically as soon as Dumbledore dies at the end of the seventh book, basically he comes back at the end of book four, right? And it's like, all right, I haven't killed Harry Potter. He keeps surviving somehow. And the last time we dueled, some fucking ghosts showed up. What the fuck was that? I have no idea what's going on. So I'm just going to hide in Malfoy Manor and chill and you guys find the prophecy. How do you do that? I don't know. I'm just going to sit here like Thanos on my chair. Deal with it. What prophecy? There's a prophecy that says that either Voldemort uh, will be killed by Harry or Harry will be killed by Voldemort. And it's just vague enough so that it's also uh, involves Neville Longbottom. The kid who was petrified by Hermione? Uh Uh-huh. That guy. That dork. Yeah, he he grows up real good. He's great. Okay, what's funny. I have actually seen all eight of the Harry Potter movies. You remember jack shit remember the very first one and after that nada all right Um, so harry and (laughs) katniss have things who was your favorite character in um in harry potter um it's a combination i don't have like one that's fine favorite character i like all three of the kids um uh, for teachers i like mcgonagall mcgonagall is great she can turn into a cat and indeed and um, during Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, the book, that was the first time they saw her turn into a cat. I don't mind that they changed it for the movie because it's a fun scene and I dug it. Uh-huh. Uh, but in Prisoner of Azkaban, they're like, wait a minute, I just turned into a cat and back and none of you are, none of you care at all. Why? And it's like, ha- basically the prophecy, pr- pr- uh, the future psychic person uh, says that, uh, Harry's gonna die this year. And she's like, oh, well, prophecies are bullshit and psychic powers suck. So, like, there, it's fine. He won't die this year, promise, right? And basically, throughout the entire series, we learn that psychic powers suck and most of the prophecies that are made don't come true. And, like, only, like, half a percentage come true. And uh, the one that we know will come true is Harry and Voldemort. But other than that, they all are terrible, which is part of the uh, Harry earning being the chosen one. Interesting. So, wait, why is that one particular one true? Uh, Because, basically, Voldemort heard it. Snape told Voldemort to... Snape used to be a Death Eater, and Snape told Voldemort about the prophecy, and he's like... What's okay. a death eater? Uh, Voldemort's followers. So they don't literally eat death? No, that'd be cool though. Well, I mean, it is magic, so you could understand my confusion. Well, yeah, if anyone's going to eat death, it would be... If I would think that anyone ate death, it'd be... Which I kept mistaken for death eaters for years. Okay, you're cutting out. It's fine. Um, So I, I like McGonagall a lot. I really like um, Maggie... Maggie Smith. I really like Maggie Smith's acting. I think she does a great job as McGonagall throughout the entire season. Indeed. Um, for Hunger Games, I really like uh, Peter. Um, he's way more charismatic than Katniss is. Um, no wonder the capital actually, eats him up. In the books, that's actually kind of, that she points that out. Actually, I think she does it in the movies too. Yeah, in the movie, in the movie, uh, Hamish is like, see that? See right there? They love him. They hate you. They don't yeah. care about you at all. And you need to make them care about you. But look at him. He's charming. He's he's just playing like putty in their hand. Yes. He, especially during the, um, whenever they go on the, the show with uh, Caesar, Caesar Flickerman, 
they love PETA. And PETA is the one who comes up in the, the, um, in the second book and the, or second movie. Um, he's the one who comes up with the, like, pretty much, like, fail-safe to try to get them to cancel the games, which is that Katniss is pregnant. You're obviously not going to send a pregnant woman into the games. And, and I'm like, there's no what? evidence to suggest that they wouldn't. At you no would, yeah, point is, do I though. think that these the reason why. Yes, but there is though, because she, because the through the love story, they've become the capital's darlings, and like you said, everybody loves. Oh everybody my loves god! <laughs> she got sh- saved by shipping. Yeah, well, no, because they're saved by through because they love Peta so much, and they love Katniss because of the the romance. And Katniss is brave, so they also like her bravery. Now they've become like movie characters, and you don't want your favorite movie characters to die. They still yeah. don't really see. The- but they're seeing them they've kind of broken through a little bit so they're they're a little and also many people from the capital have actually met Katniss and Peta at this point by the time you get to the second Hunger Games because they have to do that tour and they travel through and they talk to people and they have to go to these parties where they like schmooze the people and everything and Peta is excellent at that even though at one point in the second one, he does get a little like sick of them. Um, I mean, because I think they're... that he's just he's already sick of them, and he's just acting well. No, I mean like I mean sick of them as in like disgusted by them because oh. there's one oh. point where they um, they point out that you can eat. So the districts are starving, but in the capital, they're very much like they're gorging themselves on delicious food throwing it up and then eating more i remember um they remind me a lot of old english royalty like you have these uh people that are starving and then you have like look what i've done with my hair i've turned it into a swan yeah that's exactly what they're doing kind of like the united states right now um so he gets he's disgusted by that because they're like because he's like oh i ate too like i'm i'm eating like all this food is delicious i can't eat anymore and they're like oh here take this it'll make you throw up and then you can just keep eating and he's like okay you people are disgusting i'm gonna go not be around you anymore that's horrifying. yeah that's what i mean by like they made him sick (laughs) like he was like you're gross and i'm not dealing with you um but yeah and they uh, we didn't mention the lovable twit from the capital, Effie Trinket, who is their guide. Oh, God, I love Effie. She's the Crazy. one that uh, looks like a drag queen, doesn't she? All well, in pink, giant fuck-off wig. Okay, but everyone in the capital does. She's yeah, actually but like, a she, she's that one, right? Yes. Uh, um, and that, so a difference between the book and the movie is that in the movies, everything is focused through Effie for the, as far as their, like, their look into the mindset of the capital they only get it through effie but in the move in the book they also get it through the three characters or not caretakers but um the three people who like work on them so like in the movie in the first movie you just kind of barely see them they are like flavius octavia and um there's another one but you um, have that guy that um is like i'm going to put flames on you and yes, you can keep your pin yes yeah, senna but senna is not very is not good for an eye into the capital because he is kind of like me. He's jaded and doesn't, he's like, these people are all assholes. Don't worry about them. But Flavius, Octavia, and Effie are all very much like the capital people. And they're like, oh, isn't it great? You're going to go die. And 
but Senna's like, okay, these people are all idiots. Yeah, <laughs> like, I like Senna. Um, my so did they do what? So they, there's two options. There's what Harry Potter did, which is mm-hmm. introduce the character and pretend that they were there the entire time, which I hate a lot. Um, or did they just give that role to a different character? That's what they did. So in the move in the book, what happens to Flavius and Octavia is like Flavius and Octavia are basically taken out of the movie, but they're still very much in the book. In the movie, everything that happens to them only happens to Effie. Oh, that's so in the genius. Movie, um, Effie is, in the book, Effie is in, I think she's kept in a dungeon in um, District 12 or District 13. When they get to District 13, what she's happened to District actually, 13? Because what, what happened? happened to District 13? District 13 was the military version. And basically, they threaten the capital, like, look, we have all of the nukes and all of the bombs, and we will bomb you to kingdom come if you come after us. That is so the then funniest President, fucking no. thing ever. You are yes, under our rule. Uh, we hate you. We're probably going to make you starve. And then they look so, behind yeah. them and it's like, you exactly. gave us all the we, weapons. Uh, so the fuck we- you. Exactly. So, um, so Snow was like, all right, look, here's the deal. We're going to act like we're, we're just going to tell everybody that we destroyed you and that we don't have any more nuclear weapons and you're going to leave us the hell alone and then we'll leave you the hell alone. So we're just going to act like the other doesn't exist. And 13 was like, deal. But we're not actually going to do that because we still freaking hate you. So we're just going to train for several generations until everybody else decides to rebel. And then we're going to be like, hey, we have weapons. And then, and then uh, Snow was like, what was that last bit? Nothing. Um. (laughs) no see that's the thing snow isn't ignorant at all snow is very intelligent in the throughout this whole thing he sees the writing on the wall that's why he doesn't like it when katniss does the symbol to for the other district he's like and shit like this is gonna start a rebellion and it does and then he so he can see he knows he's very shrewd he's very clever snow is possibly the smartest person in the hunger games and the only person as smart as him is Coin. Okay, let's move to villains then, because we're already okay. talking about Snow. So he's very clever. Yes. So in when you're talking about the entire series altogether, Snow is a bit kind of like like kind of like Snape in the first one, where like you think he's the big bad, but then but Voldemort is actually like the worst. Uh-huh. Um, Snow is presented as the villain for the first two and a half books in first three movies. I don't know. And then he in the seems final, pretty villainous. He is, oh, he is. He definitely is a villain. However, but it, so there it's is not a villain. exactly like Snape, where Snape was um, uh, working as a double agent the entire time. Right. But, no. Snow is a villain. However, he's not the worst villain. There is another, to quote Star Wars. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there is another. And she actually is potentially, well, she's at, at the very, at best, she's as bad. <laughs> so and so all this time you go through all of this all this death and everything to get to a point where you think you're at freedom and you've just done it to trade dictators and she's okay. possibly she actually is worse because snow will kill other people but he doesn't necessarily kill his own people like he considers the people of the capital his people and he sends messages for them to like get safe he even opens up the um he opens up his palace to say all capital citizens come to the palace, you'll be safe, we'll protect you. So and it's, it's very much a, I'm a villain, but I protect my own, versus I'm a villain, 
fuck all of you. Um, no, it's versus. I'm the person who's supposed to be the savior. I'm supposed to prove. I'm supposed to go in and end the villain. But in fact, I'm actually a much worse villain. What does she do? What's her name, by the way? Her name is president. She's coin. She's supposed to be the president. Um, she's the president of District 13. Okay. And um, in the book, see, this is the main difference between the book and the movie as far as um, the last one, the uh, Mockingjay is concerned. Mm-hmm. In the Mockingjay, from the very beginning in the book, you realize that District 13 is, uh, it's dire. Like, it's almost worse. It is worse. It's worse than being in District 12. Because in District 12, you were poor and things were shit. But at least your day was your own to a certain extent until the Peacekeepers came in. Um, so the Peacekeepers came in and the second book, after they rebelled, um, after, the, after they rebelled, in the very end of the first book, you know, they rebelled. In the second book, the Peacekeepers came in and were like, okay, this is like martial law. Okay, so, so you're under, you have curfews and blah, blah, blah. But at least you could still, if you wanted to during the day, you could go to your friend's house if you didn't have to work. In District 13, you were told what time to wake up. Everybody wore a uniform. You couldn't be individualized. You ate what they told you. You went to bed when they told you. You woke up when they told you. Everybody had a job. It was essentially you were in prison, only you were in prison slash the military it was like military prison because it was like here you have a schedule and you can't choose anything you have to do what you're you're just a cog in the machine interesting and everything is under the behest of president coin and um is at the a, end um a villain that says for the greater good a lot even in, in her own head no like i'm doing this for the greater good i'm going to protect you and the fact that you have to do exactly as i say all the time is worth it yes okay so that is so the way th- she just has the system and it's believed that she coined and set up the system she's just the president mm-hmm. um so she didn't necessarily dictate these things she just kind of grew up into it because here's the thing like this has been pan am has been like this for like 75 years so it's not like this is a new thing like they they were born and raised into this system um, but Coin took it over, and she is very much, she's far more ruthless than Snow, but you don't find that out to the very end. You, there are hints, though. Um, and so there are hints that Coin is maybe as bad as, as Snow. Like, so it's kind, of like, it's kind of like the devil you know versus the devil you don't. And in this case, the devil you don't know actually is worse than the devil you know. Like, Snow is the devil you know because she grew up in District 12, and he was always president. And she's had meetings with him. And here's the thing. Okay. No, when he talks to her, he has he never lied to her. He is devious. He is underhanded. He is all of the evil in the world. But he never lied to her. And he's, whenever he talks to anyone, in the movies, you see Snow talk to other people. In the books, he doesn't. Because the books are entirely through Katniss's point of view. But it's true that every time he's talked to Katniss, he has been honest. Um, and with snow, with coin, it's very much the opposite. Coin is a military strategist. So everything she does, there's an angle. She almost never tells you something straight. Every time, if she tells you the truth, it's, it's as a manipulation because it's like, yeah, I'm going to tell you this because I know that once you know the truth, you're going to do this thing and I need you to do the thing. Okay. So she's a very much a calculating and she's a cold hearted calculating person. And we find out at the end that she kills Katniss's little sister. 
What a but, bitch. Right. Have but you not, not just seen that. it? Fuck you. I loved Katniss's sister for the five minutes she was in the movie. Go to hell. Oh, no, she's, in, she's in all of the movies for, in the first movie, she's only in it for five minutes, but then the second and third, she has a much greater role. It, but I the book, feel the same righteous energy uh, of a vengeance that John Wick does when they killed his dog. <laughs> yes. Um, well, not just, she doesn't just kill Katniss's sister. She kills all of the first responders. And what's really fucked up is it's actually Katniss's best friend's plan. I, I have a villain that matches this. I think. It's not Voldemort. Um, I, I think I have a villain that matches this. So, so, so that's, that's, okay, so it's basically, so what does Katniss do? In, when she finds that out? Yeah. She kills her. Oh, that's fair enough. So, so what, yeah, at the, so at the very end of um, when the war is over, and so Katniss does not know. The reason why Katniss figures it out is because she goes to talk to Snow. Um, Snow is supposed to be executed. And because Katniss is the way that they were able to get in, they allow her to be the one to kill him through, you know, with the bow and arrow. And um, she goes and talks to him right before this is supposed to happen. And that's when he tells her, like, I've never lied to you. And she's pissed off because she's like, you killed my sister. And he was like, no, I didn't. And then he's like, yeah, the whole time you've been hating me and you don't even see the, the real danger in front of you. And that's when it clicks that Snow, not Snow, sorry, Coin, Coin has been trying to kill Katniss ever since she got involved. Coin is- right? Yeah, she wants to create her, she wants her to be a martyr, but also she hates Katniss. Well, yeah. And so she hates Katniss because Katniss wants to be an individual and do her own thing. Katniss doesn't want to be involved. She doesn't want to- she didn't want to be, she never wanted to participate in this rebellion. She only, her entire motivation for this whole thing was just to save her sister. The That's fact all she that was. I, I knew that there was going to be like a rebellion because of the thing. The fact that I thought that she was like the ringleader of that, she got involved and it's just mm-hmm. it's literally the opposite is like yeah. hilariously ironic. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing. Like the whole nation thinks that she's, they see her as a symbol and she is the leader of this rebellion, but she has zero interest. She has zero reason to be. And even Hamish points out at one point, like she is an accidental leader. People look to her because she has these great speeches, but she's only when she's- She's evidence. She's the mocking. Exactly. But she's, she, she does have these rousing speeches, but only when she's been pushed. Like in the first movie, she um, when she does the symbol of um, uh, when she does the symbol with the three fingers, she does she's doing that in reverence to Rue. She has no idea that her actions are sparking a rebellion in Rue's district. She has no clue. That's amazing. So she's accidentally sparking the rebellion, but she does not know that she's doing it, and she's only doing these things in response. Okay. Like she's doing this as a response to. Like fuck the system that just killed this twelve-year-old innocent child. So that was a child that looks eight. The fact that she looks younger than she does, she's really young, is great casting on their part. Um, Yes. So for for Harry Potter, um, the main villain is Voldemort, and each movie really the okay. So in the first movie, we think that the villain Snape, the villain's Quirrell, right, and he's got. Voldemort on the back of his head, which is horrifying. Yeah, it's creepy. Uh, and so Voldemort is basically the entire series is how do we delay 
getting bringing Voldemort back because as soon as he comes back, he's going to fuck shit up. All right, indeed. And to his credit, he does when he comes back. So in the in Philosopher's Stone, he's on the back of, of Quirrell's head, and Quirrell's the main bad guy. But we think that it's Snape. Uh, in Chamber of Secrets, uh, one of Voldemort's ways of getting back, he has Horcruxes, which are his ways of uh, he puts his soul in the Horcrux, so on and so forth. So he does that, and so it's his Horcrux that comes back. So Voldemort is trying to come back again. Um, and then Harry delays him again. And then in prison for Azkaban, uh, it's one of his servants. So one of his servants called Peter Pettigrew. He's the main villain. He's a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> but, um, but he comes back. And then in the fourth one, Voldemort does come back because Peter Pettigrew found him and then resurrected Voldemort. And then through five, six, and seven, he's back for real. But in book five, so and then in Deathly Hallows, when he's in full control, has full power, and has his, all his followers back, he's like, "All right, let's get shit done." And he fucking does. He takes over the entire ministry. He puts everyone out of. Um, he puts like a bounty on Muggles' heads. He murders thousands of people, and he changes the entire system so that everyone hates Harry and Muggles and uh, Rita. Rita is the main reporter and she's a bitch and she's like all for it and umbridge the main the the other main villain the one that's way more charismatic than um voldemort is umbridge and everyone hates she was the defense against the dark arts teacher and apparently you can just get that job without a teaching degree because the ministry is like you need to control hogwarts and she's like i got this i'm in pink fuck all of you right and the weirdest okay. thing is, and the thing that they left out of the movie that's in the book is that she sent a Dementor to Privet Drive. And uh, like, in the movie, you think that it's Voldemort, but it, in the book, it's revealed that it was Umbridge because she's that much of a bitch. So what's a Dementor? It sucks out your soul, guards the prisoners of Azkaban and makes you feel bad. And she figures that either it's going to kill Harry or, which would be win-win, or... Um, he's going to use magic outside of school and then she's going, and then Fudge can like put a full try on because he's an idiot and then she can take control of everyone and then she does. And then when Dumble, when, um, when Voldemort comes back for real and all of his enemies except for Harry is dead, he takes over the ministry and she's like, oh cool, we're killing muggles now? I'm in. Let's do this. I'm fucking evil. Wow. So Voldemort, like, is the leader and he gets more evil shit done but she's like i love this new system i hate everyone here and i'm so evil that a horcrux doesn't affect me because i'm that monstrous all right let's do this evil shit so like umbridge is the best villain because she's just so slimy and disgusting and terrible and loves it and then voldemort is there like it, it, it's like if um, it, it's the difference between the Emperor and uh, Darth Vader. Like, uh, the Emperor is the big bad, but everyone loves Vader more. Indeed. Because, but like. But not quite the, an apt analogy because Vader does evil things, but he never wants to. Well, yeah, we he can wants to do evil things. I actually see the movie. But, oh, okay. but like, yeah. Umbridge. You have to is the fan favorite in terms of villain. Okay. So yeah, for the, that it, the outside villain is Snow, but you learn that the worst villain is Coin. 
And you don't really figure that out until the final book. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, you're kind of like, there are, there's foreshadowing of like, yeah, she's not great. Like, we, maybe we shouldn't let her be president. But by the end, you're like, oh, damn, this bitch is evil. Yeah. And you're like, she's worse than Snow. And Snow laughs. That's why he laughs in the movie. Because he's like, you thought I was bad. And so Katniss, when she gets, she lines up her, her shot to kill Snow and then aims just a little bit higher and kills Coin. And then so are people like, yeah, she was evil. Good on Katniss. Or she, everyone like, no. wait a minute, what? Yeah, it, yeah. So Katniss assumes that she's going to be put to death. So she tries to, um, so where we have like cyanide pills that people put in our teeth, she has like a little nightlock pill. At which is the berry that she was going to eat in the very beginning, in the first, or in the very end of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she tries to take that, and somebody gets to her and stops her. And um, then they have her in holding, and she thinks, like, for sure I'm going to die. And instead, since Coin is gone, the people that are left are the other people who are the beginning, who, um, who, you know, did the rebellion. And unfortunately due to real life circumstances with philip seymour hoffman dying um he wasn't in the he wasn't in the situation for the final film so that's one of the things they kind of had to change um how did they change they gave his role to hamich um at the so in the final film hamich is the one who comes and tells her you know this is what happened we had a discussion and blah 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 but in the book it was um I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but anyway, it was Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Um, it was the, the final game maker. Um, so, and I think in the in the movie they just had Hamish read a letter from him, but in the in the book he was he just said it. He was there. Well, that um, makes sense. Yeah, and so um, and what ended up happening was they all got together and they realized like yeah, like they all, they figured out because Gail was the one. Like I said, Gail came up with the plan that Coin used to kill Katniss's sister. And it was a really fucked up plan. It was, we, we bomb the palace, right? And then when the first responders come in, we bomb it again and we kill the first responders. And the fucked up thing was the first responders were the first responders from the, from the districts. They weren't from the capital. So Did Coyne she know bombs- that? I bet she knew that. No, Coin did that intentionally. Coin sent in, it was her people she sent in, and she killed her own people. And she did that to prove, to, to, to prove a point, and she tried to make it seem like it was Snow. But it was Gail's plan, that's how Katniss knew that it was Coin. Oh, because wow. Gail was the one who, come, who came up with it, and Katniss was like, what the fuck, that's evil. Like, no, you can't do that. And then he, cause, but he was, with him, he was like, why don't we do this bombing, the first bombing as a distraction, and then when the first responders come in, we bomb again, and that takes out all of them. And she was like, that's completely evil. I don't even know you anymore. I can't deal with you. Like, I'm going with PETA. PETA might be trying to kill me right now, but at least he's got a good heart. So, like, I don't even, I can't deal with you. Like, I'm done. Okay, since we're doing um, the full series, uh, yeah. instead of just the mo- the first movie we can talk about romance because the the worst part about the book and the movie uh is harry potter harry potter's love life because like yeah well in 12 in the first one so there is no love so so like in uh, the first and second third ish um books (laughs) 
they don't they, they don't focus on it at all right mm. and then in the fourth one he has a date and then in the fifth and seventh books they really focus on it but not really because we got shit to do but in the movies they sacrifice so much plot in order to have romance like the sixth movie in particular is is the worst one um because they sacrifice all of Voldemort's backstory which is probably important because he's the main bad guy they f- sacrifice all of that so that they can do goofy love shit in this and I don't know about Hunger Games but I'm guessing that like all the romance so all the romance stuff is part of the plot right it's it's like fake for the plot does she actually get together with anyone no it's pretty much like like I said I picked this series because it's the closest like adaptation it's pretty much like word for like not word for word but like shot for shot it's the the romance that's in the book is in the movie they don't add anything to it that I can think of, and they didn't take anything away, really. The only difference is um, the book is 100% from Katniss's perspective, so there's less of a triangle aspect in that she is not trying to be in love. Just like she's not trying to start a rebellion, she's also not trying to be in love with anyone. She is literally best friends with Gail, and when she finds out that Peta has a crush on her, she's kind of pissed because she's like, what kind of shit are you pulling? And then she realizes like, oh no, he really did have a crush on me. And she's like, oh, well, I don't know about that. And because in the, in the beginning of the whole thing, she's like, I don't want to have kids because this world is fucked up and I don't want to bring anybody into this fucked up world. So, um, so she's not at all thinking of romance. She is literally just thinking of survival. But then there's kind of a twist in there because even though she's not thinking of them in the perspective of love, they are in a bit of a triangle because Gail gets very jealous of Peta, and Peta is like, "I get it. You're with Gail. You don't actually love me, but Does I still kind of like." No, no, because Peta is a very pure person. So his his motivations are like Peta is just who he is. He's he is charismatic, but he's also a very pure of heart. Like he's he really does he 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 has affection for her, and he gets it. It's not returned, but that doesn't stop him from having affection for her. And with Gail, it's like they're best friends growing up, and you can tell Gail very much does like her like that, but he's, gonna, he's giving her space because she's like, you know what, I, you know, just survival mode. And in that situation, it's very much, you know, it's understandable. But then they do kiss, I think, two or three times, but that's it, and... It's not something she dwells on. She's just like, whatever. Like, we got to get back to not dying. That's how Harry Potter should have been. <laughs> I, you're yes, describing so- my, like, the, the way Harry Potter's love life should be. It's like, oh, cool. We're dating. That's neat. Uh, we can hang out later. I got shit to do. Yeah, right? to me. Like, the, as like in, the, and the, and the, the main problem is that um, in Harry Potter... Like, they're kids at first, so there's no love story there. So they really get love stuff done uh, in the fifth book. But that's also when Voldemort comes. And also the movies are like, okay, according to the books, who is Harry dating? Oh, it's Ginny Weasley? Did we remember to give her a character? No? Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) To me, The Hunger Games is is pretty much the reverse of what you're complaining about for Harry Potter, Uh in that teenagers in that situation because again the actual games aren't just a couple of days they last for like several weeks um 
be, because of that, like, there's all kinds of hormones flying. They're going to have sex. Yeah. Especially he and PETA are in that, are trapped in that, you know, area. And everybody's thinking like, well, no, because there are cameras everywhere. Yeah, but it's literally a 24-7 and this is going on for days and days and days and days. After a while, even reality TV stars tell you, you forget the cameras are there. So they're also killing and, each other. So like for the hunger themselves, are they having exactly? Sex? Yeah, like you know that they're going to. You know that these teenagers, especially in this situation where like the adrenaline is on eleven at all times, at some point they're going to have sex. So, so like Katniss uh, is like, I I gotta survive. Everything sucks. Meanwhile, the the um, what did you call them? The Koreans. Who, the pizza? No, the Koreans, oh, the Koreans are like, I'm just gonna bang you and be great. Um, well, at the point, by the time that I think that Katniss and Peeta probably would have had sex in real life, the careers were already dead. Okay, so you're not talking about in the Hunger Games, you're talking about, like, just in general. No, I'm talking about in the Hunger Games, but the careers died fairly early. Because remember, it's it's not, like, it, they're, you're in there for a long time, because you have to wait till every single person is dead. Well, I don't the careers, know. There's like, only one career. They all seem very dirty. <laughs> there's only, at the time that I'm talking about, there's one career left. And aside from that one career, there's, I think there's six people, five, five or six people left in the entire games. It's, it's been this long and, um, there is only one career. And then there's a boy that's the other side of Ruse. He's the other boy from the other part of Ruse district. Uh-huh. And there's another girl and I'm then, <laughs> and that's it. And there, so there's one career, there's one girl there's the boy from Ruse District, and then there's the two of them. So at this point, everybody's hiding because you're, you're trying to survive. You need to get water. You need to get food. You need to get shelter. And you need to stay the hell away from all the others because everybody's going to try to kill you. I like that um, Hamish was like, don't build a fire. That's basically bait. What are you doing? Yeah, no. it's a signal. It's telling everybody where you are. Yeah, exactly. And then we see that one girl build a fire, which was a good And then immediately died. Yeah. And, those um, careers, by the way, enjoyed killing way too much. Well, because they were trained to, as, from childhood. Yeah, they I were trained. But like for the movie, you have you. It's like yeah, you see the way she like fucking uh, screamed as we killed her. Oh, that was great! High fives. And then like twenty minutes later, it's like I don't want to do this. this, is, this is terrible. Just kill me now. And it's like you can't yeah. have sympathy when you're being a cartoon asshole like 20 minutes ago well okay so the thing that the movie kind of glosses over that the books are a little bit more in depth on is the fact that the careers which are districts one and two are very close to the capital so the careers very much live their lives they're the least like they're not impoverished. their districts aren't impoverished the peacekeepers come from district two and um district one is like right next to the capital so it's kind of like a circle to where like the farther the farthest ring is the poorest, the closest one is the richest. Well, one and two are the the richest. So they're basically they pretty much see the rest of the districts the same way the people in the capital sees all of them. All right. That so that's sense. why they're like, oh yeah, we killed them all. Like they, they see they're basically like exterminators. They're killing vermin in their eyes. Um, so that's one thing the, the movies didn't quite explain as well in the books you're like okay these guys are dicks they're just as bad as the capital what okay so let's move on to production design because i really love the production design of both of these indeed so um i okay for hunger games first okay um 
I love the fact that everything that depending on what district you're in, everything is different, but it feels like it's part of the same system. It is, well, because there's a, there's the I guess you could say symbiosis, but it's it's by design. Like I said, each district has its one thing. So everybody in your district is doing that thing. You said um, that the people of District 12 were coal miners. Yes. So everyone's just dirty and poor. Yes, exactly. And in fact, Katniss's father died in a coal mining incident. Um, and there is no, it's not like you can grow up. It's not like, you know, you're born and you're like, I want to be a hairdresser. No, there are no hairdressers. You just, you, I can you're, tell. if you 12, you're in the coal mine. The, the hairdressing would be in like the capital. The capital is very much like an extreme version of the United States right now. Well, it's also like old British royalty. If you want to see fuck off uh, with all your money bullshit, check out the 1% from like old England. Because I wasn't kidding. One woman made her hair designed like a swan. Who the fuck does that? With hair. Her own and hair. Have you ever been to the United States? No. It looks yes. dangerous and shitty. <laughs> Funny. That's what I thought about Australia. Y'all have some creatures out there. Yeah, but none uh. of them have guns. <laughs> like, we... Someone, someone got on the news for fighting someone with a crate. Someone had a knife and he's like, fuck you, I got a milk crate. And they just beat him with a crate and then just trapped him there until the police arrived. Well then. We have snakes and spiders. We can handle our fucking selves. Yeah, that's, uh, that's why I'm not going to Australia. <laughs> so, yeah, we, anyway. I mean, everybody has snakes. The whole world has snakes. We all have snakes. Uh, in England, they're not poisonous. Okay. So they don't have poisonous Or venomous? They, they don't have venomous snakes in England? That's interesting. I don't know. I say things and then I'm like, wait a minute. Because <laughs> I thought everybody had like all variety of snakes. I don't know. Oh no, all the pe- poisonous um, what stuff is down here. And then in England, they're all like, what? You're afraid of spiders? Like, do you know how not dangerous a spider is in England? They have a terrible cartoon uh, called about a pig. And one of the episodes there was like, you shouldn't be afraid of spiders. And then that shit got banned in Australia because it's like, no, we really want children to be afraid of spiders. Okay. <laughs> because they'll just murder you. We had a we had an emu war. It was hilarious. An emu war. Oh, I'll discuss it later. So with the production design for um Harry Potter. So okay, first of all, Hunger Games, what was the best part of the production design? Uh probably how it brought you into the world. It made you feel like you were actually there. I think the best part was um seeing the contrast between the dire gray earthy tones of the districts and the vibrant uber colorful capital the primary colors to the natural colors no it was the the capital wasn't primary it was it was all colors it was the it was, and they were vibrant. It was, they were even neon. There were lots of neon. There was lots of silver, lots of sparkly and metallic looking things. But in the, in, in the district, everything was earth tones. Everything was like a grayscale. And the peacekeepers even stand out because they're in stark white. And everything else is, all, is very like brown and blue and gray. So that just having pure white, like it stands out. Um, and then when you get 
Miri likes the costumes. I, I I thought with the costumes, those flames look fl- look fake. And then I'm like, wait, they are fake. Never mind. Yeah, if they were real, they would have killed them. Yeah, they'd be set on fire. Exactly. Yeah, but like <laughs> it, they looked fake, and every and I'm like, I mean, I don't know if they looked fake on purpose, but the fact that but that didn't bother me because I'm like, it's all decorative. Yeah, it's just supposed to be decoration. Yeah, it's um, and it's I love that Senna gave them fire because you know that ended up being it ended up being metaphorical for the for the the rebellion itself. The spark um, that's started the rebellion exactly which ended up being katniss but she had no clue and senna i don't think he had a i don't think he knew in the first one but he definitely knew by the second one which is why he gave her why he made it so that her wedding dress would turn into a mockingjay that's it was a final you to snow yeah okay um I, i i love the uh look i love the holograms as well the the like the amount of technology that they have Mm-hmm. Uh, and See, another thing in the Hunger Games, I don't. They kind of just—they don't really gloss over it, but it's just kind of there. But um, every single house must have the television hologram thing because the capital puts its propaganda through the airwaves, and you must see it. So I don't know if you notice or not, but like in the later movies, whenever a thing comes on for the capital, if you're outside, you notice there's these giant projectors that come on, and if you're at home your home screen turns on. You can't turn it off, and it turns itself on. It is designed because whenever the capital speaks, you must listen. There is, wow. It's like, at what point do you think, we, we might be the bad guy? Oh, Snow knew he was a bad guy. That, that's the thing. Snow never lied. He never lied to himself, and he never lied to anybody else. He knew he was a bad guy, but he didn't but no care. one asked. Um, but no one asked him if they were the bad guys because... Uh, in the capital, you're too pampered to learn that, and in the districts, you already know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's where the whole name for the the country comes from. It's from the the saying, the Roman saying, um, "Circuses at Panem," like give them bread and circuses, and it's basically like let's distract our own people with food, with really luxurious food, and with entertainment as we take everything from them. Like, we're taking all of their liberties from them, but they're going to be too distracted by food and entertainment to notice. You said that he wasn't really the president, but, like, I was thinking that he might be the president in terms of getting voted in no, by he was, the people he of the capital. He's the president, but he's very much a dictator. So, like, if you go, so, like, like the U.S. is technically, we're a republic, but we're an oligarchy. So it's like that, where like, yeah, he's the president, but he's a dictator. So like his official category is president because he gets voted in, but he controls the vote. He controls how people, so like I said, with the propaganda, like your television comes on and you see the the propaganda, you're told how to think, you're told how to vote. It's like Korea, but with money. With everything. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't dare vote against him. You're obviously going to keep voting for him for president. And the few people who have been unfortunate enough to run against him died. Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah, and so that's why they, kind of, they gloss over this in the movie, but in the book they explain it a little bit better in detail. Um, Snow is always, he always has a white rose around him. And um, there's a scene in the movie where 
he drinks, he takes a drink of champagne and you see blood go into the glass. It's because the roses are to disguise the smell of the putrid stench that's in his mouth because every time a political opponent has challenged him, he has killed them, but he always ends up getting away with it because he too drinks the same poison. He just drinks the antidote. So okay. uh, from years and years of doing this, it's fucked with his mouth. So now he has open sores in his mouth. Ugh. And so um, disgusting. So it is disgusting. He's a vile person. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, so he's, his mouth is constantly bleeding. He's very much like a snake to where, like, you know, he's, he's poisonous. He's filled with poison because of all the poison he keeps ingesting. And um, so that's why I say he's, he's a president and that, yeah, he is technically voted in, but he's very much a dictator. Um, for the production design, that, that, that all fits in the story. Uh, I really like the, um, the production design for the first two Harry Potter movies because essentially what happened was that the first two Harry Potter movies were very, like, they were very um, child uh, fantasy things. They were kids' movies. Uh, and they're mm-hmm. good for families as well because they're good. But they're very much like child fantasy. You go into Hogwarts, you go on the train, you go shopping, everything's great. And then they did a massive overhaul in the third movie um, to fit with the darker tone that they were going to set up later. And, ah. and so, but with this one, you have all the robes, you have the wands, everything's great. And the one change that they made from the book in the third movie that worked really well was the wands. Because all the wands basically look exactly the same in the book and in the first two movies. I just now realize you were saying wands. I thought you were saying ones. I'm like, what's difficult about ones? Like, they changed the font? Like, no, you mean wand. Yes, the, in the wands, they changed the, uh, the shape uh, everything, everyone is unique, uh, and it's a fantastic idea that the movies came up. Ah. Um, and that's one change that I'm glad that they made from the, um, from the book. I really like the look of Hogwarts. It's a real castle, I think. No, they filmed Indeed. some stuff in the, in the real well, castle, but they also have miniatures for like the outside shot. I mean, England is just littered with them. Yeah, you get All a castle. Of- you get a castle. Everyone gets a castle. Yeah. Queen of England is like Oprah. I guess. Haunting uh, Castle, everyone. Um, I really like the way the robes look, and I wish that um, later movies didn't hate robes so much. Because, like, in Prison of Azkaban and onwards, Harry's just in jeans and a t-shirt. The same t-shirt for five movies. <laughs> Maybe this was all a very long day. Mm, so long. But yeah, it, it's a hilarious, um, it's a hilarious meme going around where Harry has his favorite T-shirt. Um, but yeah, so so in the first movie, there's robes. You go to Hogwarts, and, and it's and it's huge, and everything's great. Um, you have the ghosts that are just brilliantly designed, except for um, the bloody Baron, who is way too friendly. Okay. Because with the Bloody Baron specifically, um, he's a Slytherin ghost and he's flying around acting like a goofball like all the other ghosts. But he's the mm-hmm. Bloody Baron. He murdered um, the, uh, the Ravenclaw ghost. Like the Ravenclaw ghost is someone that he murdered and then he committed suicide and his robes drip with blood and he's miserable forever. Oh, that's dire. Yeah, it's fucked. And in the movie, he's just, it's all, like, childish. Which is, like, the rest oh. of it's fine, but, like, with that guy specifically, just have him, have, like, the whole thing. 
in the movies, in Harry Potter, you can't really have a murder mystery because the person who's dead is a ghost, and you can just be like, "Hey, what happened?" That's and my can problem be like, with Myrtle. It, Myrtle was murdered, and then she ended up in the bathroom, and then she's, and then Dumbledore could have at any point said, "Hey." Who murdered you? But he didn't. Yeah, so did they not know that she was there? Like, do ghosts, is there no, like no, a no. time? No, 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 they had to close the bathroom. Oh. Because, the, because Myrtle uh, kept smashing stuff there and flooding it. And all the girls were like, this sucks. So they knew, she, they knew it was Myrtle specifically, or did they just think it was a random ghost doing shit? I don't know. Someone might, must have made the connection. She died in that bathroom. So at no point, no, at no point did anyone think, you know that girl that died in the bathroom, the like child that died in the bathroom, the thing that's so rare that it's notable. Yeah? Yeah. Um, well, there's a ghost there now of the same age, in the same robes, wearing her glasses, called Myrtle. Maybe we should go and t- ask her about it. Nah, we already arrested Hagrid. That's fine. Who cares? Why did they think Hagrid killed her? Because Tom Riddle basically told him, and also Hagrid has a thing with animals. It was an animal that killed her. Yeah, it was a basilisk. But they're like, it's probably... That was uh, a giant snake, right? Yeah, it was a giant snake that killed Myrtle, but they're like, it's probably that spider that killed her. Does she have any spider marks? I don't know. I'm not a detective. (laughs) Okay. So why did they think an animal killed her? Uh, Because Hagrid was there. They, they basically, Tom Riddle, who did murder her, was like, well, if it's anyone, it's got to be Hagrid, uh, because he's just that weird. And it's like, all right, he probably did it. Let's expel him. And then Dumbledore was like, A, no, he didn't do it. But B, if he did do it, it was an accident. So, like, just expel him. It's like, all right, cool. Snap his wand. And then they did. And but he, he had the wand in the first movie. Uh, yeah, so what... So it's implied that ha- that Dumbledore um, turned his wand into an umbrella. Cause, okay. Because he has the super big, powerful fuck-off wand. Interesting. So, uh, wait a minute. So they took his wand away, but then he gives them an even more powerful wand? Okay, so let's go for, let's make this top five questions that we have to explain the bullshit plot. <laughs> okay. Okay, what's your first question? Is it about the wand? Yeah, because he had a he had a wand in the first movie. Yeah, the wand was the umbrella. Okay, so but you just said that his wand was snapped, and then yeah, Dumbledore so they gave snapped the wand. They snapped the wand, and there's a, a repairing spell. Remember the spell that they used for um, Harry's glasses? Yeah. So they had so he Dumbledore had this really powerful wand called the Elder Wand, um, which he repaired. Um, I so, have to go. Okay, Hagrid has uh, a fuck off wand. Um, yeah, the elder one. Yeah, the elder one. Uh, it's a whole thing. Look, basically, okay. So basically, the main problem with the movies, the Harry Potter movies, is that they expect you to have read the books. So anything that is explaining the books that they don't want to explain the movies. Their philosophy is, fuck it. They've read the books. Well, actually, okay. So I would be, I would say it's the opposite. Because I didn't have that question until you said that that his wand got snapped. 
but I didn't know that. Just from watching the first movie. Well, yeah, but like once you watch the rest of the movies, you're going to ask questions that they don't okay. explain. Like ah. I didn't have that movie until I uh, until I had that question until I watched the second movie. Oh, okay. Because I was like, because you just said like, oh, he gave him a bigger wand. I'm like, wait a minute. that So like, the more you explain, the more questions I had. But from the first movie, I was like, no, nah, yeah, it's it's good. Cause he, yeah, in the because they don't explain that he's They don't explain that he's lost his magic. Uh, yeah, well, they, they, he says he's not supposed to do magic. But then, you know, but you see him do it. So you're like, oh, okay. But then you just kind of think like, oh, it's that he's not supposed to do it outside of Hogwarts. You don't think that he's not supposed to do it like at all. Exactly. Uh, but that gets explained more in the second movie, uh, but not okay. enough. And then after the after the second movie, they're just like, we completely give up on <laughs> explaining anything at all. So at all, it. yes. Um, the Hunger Games doesn't really do that, especially not noticeably. Um, the Hunger Games, I think, in many ways, the the movies are an improvement on the books because the books again, are 100% from Katniss's perspective. So you don't get any insight into another character that doesn't come from her. Whereas in the movie, you get to hear conversations between other people where Katniss is not in the room. Okay. So those, those conversations were like intuited from things that happened in the books, but they're not actually in the books because if Katniss wasn't there, it's not in the book. So, um, so to me, like the movie was a, a bit of an improvement in that way. Um, and there are things that like we are known, like things that happen in the books that like we get what's going on, but Katniss doesn't. So, and in the movie that's shown a little better because Katniss is just kind of dumb a little <laughs> bit. And in the, in the book, like, you're like, you're an idiot. Like, cause she, in the book, she's like, she's explaining things. She's, ha- she's, you know, telling the story, but you can tell she doesn't understand what's happening. And you're like, wake up. It was her, you know, <laughs> where she's like, why that you know but again she's 16 so you can kind of get it because like she's a teenager and she's only thinking about doesn't want to be politically involved well no i'm I'm talking about like in in like even like especially like okay like with gail and pita Mm -hmm. she's a teenager but again her mindset is 100 percent like her survival her family's survival her friend's survival she is not thinking of romance so she doesn't understand why gail looks at her a certain way she's like what the fuck's wrong with you you know (laughs) know what i mean like it's stuff like that where you're like, duh. And so and Katniss is just like, oh, I'm just going about my day. Why are you touching me? Like, so it's kind of like, it's like things where like we understand what's going on and Katniss is like, I don't get it. But it's also, it's, it's good writing though because she is 16, 17 in the, move, in the books. And so it's like, she's just kind of a clueless teenager. And so she's, and that's again, the whole theme of it is she's just the every girl. She's nothing special. She's not chosen. She's just trying to, she's, her whole thing is survival for herself and the people she loves. And then she comes to love PETA, but she doesn't, it's kind of an accident. She doesn't try to love PETA. In fact, she kind of doesn't even want to love PETA, but he's such a good, he's such a pure person. And then tragic things happen to him. So then she's like, no, no, I, you're human. Like, no, bring, come back. I love you. But not like, don't think of it like that. But then I kind of do that too. And I just don't want to think about feelings. And that's Katniss. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> So, all in all, from what you've seen from Harry Potter and from Hunger Games, the first movie only, which is mm-hmm. better? Um, I don't really see in, in terms of 
one movie being better than the other because they're both good. I mean, That's a shame, they, I'm they, going to ask you this every week. <laughs> they they also have very different audiences because the first Harry Potter is is aimed at like twelve year olds, whereas the first Hunger Games to me is aimed at more like fifteen year olds. I would say That's so slightly point. different, slightly farther along in your development because like Hunger Harry Potter has murder but it's kind of like in the background whereas hunger games is a murder story except when that when harry just murders that guy completely which i found hilarious again i don't see harry doesn't think for one he does it in self-defense that's a good because point. voldemort was absolutely trying to kill him yeah so he he does it as like oh something up with my hands i can get you to stop and i can keep you away from the philosopher's stone because it's very much the case of you get the philosopher's stone the first thing that happens is I die. <laughs> so he was, it, it, for Harry, yes, he kills him, but I don't consider it murder. He's right. doing it in defense. And he, does, he kind of discovers it accidentally. Whereas Katniss very much kills a kid with the bow and arrow. That was straight up like, you die now. And she did it in murder. He was like, he had killed Rue as soon as, like, without thinking she killed him. It was a response. It was like and a reflex. She also murdered all those people with wasps. Yes. And, but again, in that situation, for, for that, I think it was more like the Harry Potter thing, that instance, That's because funny. they trapped her up a tree. And she, so again, and the difference between the book and the movie, in the movie, it looked like she kind of climbed up the tree and a couple hours later, she was like, fuck this. In the book, it had been like a couple days and she was like, okay, fuck this. <laughs> so, so, so the main, pro, so the main difference, not problem, the main difference between the book and the movie is the time condensing. Yes, it could, um, the, the movie made it seem like everything was happening in a few hours, and in the book, it was a few days. In the, with the first Harry Potter movie, just the first one, they basically they leave out key things that are important to the book, and they make weird changes. But all in all, it feels, uh, like, it feels like it kept the spirit of the book alive. You're going to Hogwarts for the first time. It's the first time you're seeing this, and we're going to show you all of the important stuff that you care about, uh, even if we sacrifice some of the plot to do it. And I think that um, works for the first movie. It's kind of, I don't want to say the opposite, but it's, there's, the thing that is important, the thing that's most important is the symbol, you know, the mocking J pin. And they changed that from the book to the movie. They changed how she got it. Um, I don't they think took that's... In the book, but it's not, it's not, it's not that big of a deal, but it is a big symbol and in the movie, she just gets it from, um, she just gets, I think she just, it was given to, it was given to her in the, bo- in, the, in the book, but it was given to her by somebody else, by somebody who's a bit more important to her rather than just someone in the scene. Um, I think that that's a, um, that, that can, we can let that go because it came from her yeah. district and it's a symbol of her district. Um, yeah. So, um, so I think well, it's well, the difference is it, difference is the story of who it was ties more into why the adults are so like why that tale is so tragic because it lets you know from the gate nobody gets out unscathed from the hunger games everybody even if you don't go into the reaping and you've never been in the games yourself if you somehow magically you know got if you were safe your sister or your brother or somebody you know, your cousin, someone did, or your best friend, you are not, it's kind of like cancer. Like everybody's life is going to be affected by cancer in some way. That's very, that's the Hunger Games. Everybody in Pan Am is touched by the Hunger Games in some way. Either a relative of yours went in, 
or one of your friends, definitely a classmate, obviously, um, because it happens, you know, two people are chosen every year. Somebody close to you is going to have either died in the Hunger Games or on rare occasions survived it. Is um, that, that That's was, why um, Katniss is emotionally black, blocked off. At the end. But the funny thing is, it's that, again, that's, they, they do say that in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. The very beginning of the movie, yells at her mother and she was like, when she when her mother comes in and her mother's just kind of like blank and she kind of tells her mother snap out of it like take care of prem i'm gonna be gone like i can't come back like she knows this is like a death thing so she's like she's going to her death so she's like i'm gonna be gone now you have to take care of prem snap out of it you can't you know close off like when dad died well in the end of the movie she does the exact same thing she goes into a catatonic state just like her mom did and you learn later, like in the books, you learn that what happened with her mom was pretty much everybody she loved was affected by the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And then she finally, she gets, she marries and has kids. And then she loses, like the, the she snaps when her husband dies. He dies in a, a coal accident and she just, she goes catatonic. It's too much tragedy for her to deal with. Okay. And Katniss doesn't know that. Katniss only knows dad died, you went catatonic. So she thinks her mother's irresponsible. But in the end of the, at the end of the book, she too goes catatonic. And again, there's a whole time lapse thing. Because in the movie, it seems like she went catatonic for like a day. And in the book, it was like, it was a while. <laughs> like some, in, like um, some shit happened. I, I, I think that what this is, what the main similarities between Harry Potter and The Hunger Games is, uh, book, is different books or movies. Both, um, because like basically the first three books are for kids, and that you're exploring the world and stuff. And there's the danger is uh, it's come and then Harry defeats it, and it come and then Harry defeats it, and then it comes and then he escapes, and then uh, from book four to uh, book seven, that's it. That, that this is now for teenagers, and we have all the danger front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's an interesting one. Okay, so I put a poll up on Facebook. You can follow our Facebook. Uh, I it's under Aussie Nerds, but I changed the URL to uh, Facebook.com/slash/CinematicAdventuresPod. We also have a Facebook group in case you want to have a discussion about the things we are talking about. Exactly. Which is under the name Cinematic Adventures of JP and Future Man. Future Man. It's <laughs> a great nickname. Um, and I put on our Facebook page and our group, uh, which is the better adaptation, Harry Potter or Hunger Games? What mm-hmm. do you think And won? I can't see the result of that poll, so I don't know who won. Okay, who do you think won? Well, since the Aussie Nerd page are people who follow you, I'm assuming it would be Harry Potter. I also but if shared it, was- it to every group that I'm a, every movie group that I'm a part of, but I didn't share okay. it to any Harry Potter groups. I thought that would be unfair. Okay, I think the general, like people in a general group would vote Hunger Games, and I think your followers would vote Harry Potter. Okay, so uh, in with 58 votes, it's 88% Harry Potter and 12% Hunger Games. That's good. For, for the Aussie nerd? Uh, I, I shared it on all of the groups that I, that I could. Oh, so these aren't individual polls, it's just one poll? Just one poll. Oh, okay. And I, I still it think that that's. I still think that it's mainly because your followers. It's just like I. I watch Thor Skywalker, who does um a lot of, of um 
Star Wars talk, mm-hmm. and he is not a fan of The Last Jedi, and he even says with every poll, like, look, my results are going to be skewed, because if you listen to me, you probably didn't like The Last Jedi. That's true. And I think it's the same thing. Like, you're, the results are going to be skewed, because you're big on Harry Potter. Well, yeah, but, like, I don't really post about Harry Potter that much in my group. I mainly post about movie stuff. And I put this on Screen Junkies, Movie Talk, uh, by movie fans, and other movie groups. I think that mm-hmm. generally people weren't thinking of the question as the better adaptation, but, like, mm-hmm. the movie that um, they liked more. And it's also possible so that they voted you... for the Harry Potter series as a whole. How did you word the question because that um, does affect polling. I said which is the better adaptation and then I have yeah, the post you're right. people could people could have been thinking of like which series is better like which one do I like better as opposed to which is the better book to screen adaptation then people would be like oh which did more justice to the book kind of like the way the Dom reviews he does his movie to book reviews yeah or book I, to movie I, mean, I don't know um I think it's interesting that people like Harry Potter more than Hunger Games, uh, but that's because of the whole of it being part of our culture for a while. I, I want to do this when it's like people know the movies as well as each other. I think people do know the Hunger Games, but a lot of people hated the last Hunger Games movie. Okay, that makes sense. Like a lot of people did. Um, because, And I understand why, because it was action 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 and then it ends on like a slow note and you're like that's how the whole thing ends that's exactly how the book ends that's why it's the best adaptation to me because it does it's like beat for beat the book and it and the book ends very much on this like the remember i said like the the whole series is just like it's kind of a slow burn and it's like then you kind of like an avalanche like you start with a little and then you gain speed and then there's like all this action and then it kind of ends Mm -hmm. That's how each book happens, but the third book is the reverse. The third book starts out, it's not the reverse, because it doesn't start out with action, but it starts out, like, it starts out a little bit slow, and then it's, like, a few pages in, action. And then action starts, and it just keeps ramping up and ramping up and ramping up and ramping up, and then it it goes to, it builds to a crescendo, and then it just drops off a cliff. And there's no more action at all, but there's, like, 30 pages left. Um, (laughs) That's fair enough. Um, that's the book the movie does the exact same thing and people were like that was crap it shouldn't have ended like that and i'm like that's exactly how the book ended um hunger games <laughs> also so a couple things hunger Games started the whole dystopian nature trend for young it adult did. movies and all of them suck except for hunger games all of them suck it's like what that's do true. kids like about it i don't know it's in this dystopian world really it's not the characters of the writing well we can't do the characters or hire good writers so let's just adapt that book to be fair i liked the first in the allegiant was it allegiant or insurgent i don't remember Uh, there are a bunch of insurgent detergent regurgitated yeah right so i think what is is what's the whole series as this whole series is insurgent right i don't know the first movie i thought was fine the second movie was crap, and I never bothered to watch the third. But the first movie, I thought was okay. I liked the factions, like the Dauntless and yada yada. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. it's because it's exactly like Hunger Games. I think the casting was crap, though. Because they should have totally had um, Ashley Judd be, instead of being her mother, she should have been the character. You should have switched Ashley Judd and, um, and Kate Winslet. 
Kate Winslet should have played her mother. She looks very much like her. And Kate All Winslet right. is very motherly and concerning when she needs to be. I mean, Kate Winslet, they're, they're both excellent actors, but they would have been better if you switched the casting. I think that would have been, that would have sold it more. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, I think that um, the first Hunger Games was a better adaptation. I liked Harry Potter more because of everything that I said. But as in terms mm-hmm. of an adaptation on its own, Hunger Games is better um, from what you've told me about the book. Yeah. So, as, as far as Hunger Games, to me, the best adaptation is the second one. Because the only thing, the Catching Fire... Um, Catching Fire from book to screen, the only thing that they left out that was in any way significant at all was Haymitch's backstory. That's the thing about adaptation. Significance. What does this book leave out? Does it matter? Like, for example, in in the third book, there are Dementors. And Dementors uh, walk along and they're covered in a cloak and they're creepy. And you can't have something that is like a Dementor walk so they make them fly and float instead so they look less human if that was a 100 percent adaptation it would have failed another one is the wands i like the fact that all the wands look different and i like the robes because the robes are just plain black mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to check that because that they they were plain black robes uh and in the first and in the movie they added the colored trip to them mm. and then you have like bad adaptations, like getting rid of the robes altogether and having them just wear muggle clothes. Dumbledore uh. was in a grey suit in um in Fantastic Beasts: Crimes of Grindelwald. That is a no. That is a grey <laughs> suit. Put that man in a bright purple robe with like stars and shit. That's Dumbledore. Grey. D- Dumbledore's never worn grey in his life. Okay. <laughs> the robes are really bugging me. Anyway. <laughs> this was fun. Uh, I'm gonna have to edit this a lot. Uh, the uh, um, the the as far as like the the design and everything, it's like I can't think of anything from the book version of the Hunger Games. But I mean, I did read it a long time ago. But I remember when I saw the movies. I read um, Catch Fire and uh, Mockingjay right before the movies. Right before those movies came out, and. I think they pretty much nailed it as far as the look of things, like the way she described it. Um, because the capital, like there is that contrast between the capital and the districts and like the people in the capital are crazy and that it shows and, you know, there's all the colors everywhere and they were there. And I, I can't think of anything like they even got, I remember remarking that they got the hologram correct um, when she's during the dance with, uh-huh. um, with, the game maker and he shows her the watch and there's like the hologram of a mockingjay on it and she doesn't get it she's not she doesn't realize is he symboling you know he's signaling her wow um, really they, she's that clueless yeah she's a 16 year old girl whose only thought is on survival and so anytime she's in the capital her whole mindset is like this is dumb and i want to leave i hate so she pretty much hates effie until like until after the they win Cause she's just like, you're ridiculous. I can't like you basically the way, like the capital has, doesn't see the people of the districts as actually human. And the people of the districts have a disdain for people in the capital. They see them as inhuman monsters because they're creatures of excess. That's a good way to describe it. And so 
yeah and so that so you see that through katniss's eyes of like you people are all despicable and stay away from me so no she's not thinking of like oh i should blend in like that Peta does that because Peta knows it's part of survival like part of survival is you have to make these people like you and then they will help you katniss whereas does not katniss, seem like a people person not, she's not she can't be bothered she's not even a people person in the district she's like y'all bitches just leave me alone <laughs> So, yeah, so when, so there are certain cues that come in and she's like, what the fuck's going on? Because she doesn't, she's not a people person. She's like, leave me alone. Why are you touching me? Like, why am I talking to you? People. Exactly. Whereas Peter, like, he's Mr. Charming and he's like hamming it up and everybody loves him. Fair enough. Okay. Um, This has been a great time. What should we do next? Try and rule the world. (laughs) The same thing you You do every week. Yeah, you can't you can't throw that in there and just act like I'm not gonna throw <laughs> like I'm not gonna give it back. Um, next, what is next week? Isn't next week uh, the witches or something? Yeah. I don't. We are going to do movies that scared us as a kid. Is it that? Are we there? Oh yes, yes, yes. So we are. Okay, yes, indeed. And your pick is the witches, and my pick is the never end because it never ends. It's endless. The story. The never-ending story and the witches. Going to be a great time. I highly doubt it. Here's the thing. The never-ending story scared the shit out of me because I was like seven. We can get into it like next week. But like I doubt that either of these are going to be as scary as we think that they were. Especially the witches. And until next time, so long. Thanks for all the fish. <laughs>